Welcome back. It is Monday, January 22nd, 2024, and you are listening to episode 179 of the Midnight Film Society podcast. Your host, Damian Sherman. Joining me today is... A recluse with a juicy caboose, Derek McGuff. (laughs) On today's show, New Year, New Me, baby. Derek and I have said goodbye to 2023. That means we are looking ahead to our top 10 most anticipated films of 2024. But before that, we'll be getting to a bunch of what we've been watching, including The Curse, The Beekeeper, The Green Mile, and much, much more right into the show. MidnightFilmSociety at gmail.com. Bicycle on Twitter. Subscribe on Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, family member, or stranger. What's up, man? How are we doing? Good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready for 2024, baby. <laughs> new year. <laughs> new year. New us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're we're in the Arctic, like I was telling you before. We're in the Arctic time of the year when the Arctic tundra. I'm in the, I'm in the Arctic tundra of just having to seal my freaking uh, wall outlets because the cold air actually comes through the outlets. Because yeah, that's just how we roll around here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like like you were saying. It's, it feels like we're in the day after tomorrow. Is that like 2004? Is that was that movie that long ago? 2004, 2005? I was in high, I remember seeing it in high school, so yeah. that it's it must have been Ooh. I think maybe 05. I want to say I mean, that's my guess 05. I feel like yeah, I would have been cuz I would have been a sophomore, so I think 05 sounds right. Day after tomorrow was a 2004 film with a hot hot 45% around tomatoes. Um yeah, the old Roland Emmerich that based on the 1990 book the the coming global superstorm yeah Dennis mm. Quaid Jake Gyllenhaal Seal Award yes yeah and that the cold which chased everybody <laughs> remember that yeah chasing not 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 a straight line I remember I specifically remember them being in the going around New- corridors and shit being in the New York yes running around corridors in the New York Public Library apparently uh, running around corridors the, the 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 ice is chasing them because you know that's what ice does that's what cold air does it chases chases mm-hmm. you around like a bad guy in a video game <laughs> and they shut the yeah. and then they shut the door on it and they're fine because you shut the shut a that's big, how door that's how on it. ice works. That movie was completely scientifically accurate. Dennis Quaid <laughs> saved everybody or something at the end. Yeah, I don't remember that really the end of that movie, but yeah, they all we went all went to, to Mexico. We all went down to Mexico, exactly. <laughs> then we took their jobs. Is how that worked. Yep. Yes, I remember there's that part where they're like, Americans are breaking into Mexico, and just like <laughs> the entire theater, just like which is like very Hispanic, the area yeah. that I'm in, like yeah, started yeah, yeah. laughing very hard. So <laughs> this is good. That's very funny. So, yes, uh, speaking of cold air, speaking of cold weather, the Sundance Film Festival 2024 is kicking off. Uh, how many people do you follow that are attending Sundance this year? Uh, David Chen, I think that's it. 
That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's one of the big ones. That's one of the guys that's been popping up on my, uh, on my Instagram timeline. I also follow, I also follow, try to pull up her name here. Perry, uh, Nemiroff, uh, is a very good, very good critic as well. I'm following her. Mm-hmm. She's up there right now. Uh, do you have any plans? If you were, if you were, have the means and the, uh, the resources to, uh, travel there and spend the day there, spend the week there, would you, would you go up there? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I would love to to get to go there as a critic. Yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, I'm hoping that one day I'll be able to pull that off. Uh, yeah. I, I did get to yeah. see some screeners from uh, Sundance's little little sister, brother, whatever, yeah. uh, Slam Dance, which is like, yes. for, it's like also in Utah at this time. Uh, and it's got indie films. So I got to see some screeners from that. But it would be really cool to go the actual thing in person up in utah uh that would be awesome yeah you can just i mean i'm assuming not everybody there is a critic now but not everybody has like a press pass i'm assuming there's got to be you know a general public sort of uh queue you can get into mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. to get up there there's yeah. gotta be right yeah yeah you yeah there's there you can get into these festivals as as the general public or whatever yeah, I'm just looking up because I, I saw a thing on IFC a long time ago um, about the Sundance Film Festival and where it started. I think it was I think it was made in like 97, 98. So that was even that was getting up to the point where it wasn't really quote unquote indie anymore. There was there was sort of big um, big film uh, uh, not publishers <laughs> film film companies were going up there already, um, and they had a bunch of examples. Like you said, you saw the Slam Dance shorts. I remember them. That was one of the big talking points of. That sort of, I don't know if it was a doc or just like a um, like a promo piece that IFC did for the festival, but they were talking about in the early 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 days about how many spinoffs there were. There was Slam Dance, and there was a few others that were like Sundance is already too corporate, man. We're going to spin off with our own thing, right? <laughs> yeah, spinoff festivals, festivals. What was that called? I'm trying to look up spinoff festivals because there was a there was quite a few. I know Slam Dance is one of the big ones, but there was a few that were made in the. Uh, in the shadow of it, right? The very beginning. I have no idea. I have. No? I, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Gotcha, honestly. gotcha. I'm trying to Google Sundance spinoff festivals, and it's not pulling up anything. Um, not even Slam Dance. That's weird. But anyways, um, so let's see. Yeah, the Sundance Film Festival. This, this, because the thing we're doing today is um, our most anticipated films, and a lot of that, a lot of the most anticipated stuff that we don't really hear about. Um, gets debuted and gets uh, bought by distributors at at Sundance. So this is uh, sort of a, a peek ahead at what we might be seeing for, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, award stuff or not necessarily big budget stuff. But, uh, for example, uh, one of the big ones I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing, probably <laughs> I won't see this until October, knowing the sort of distribution um, system that they have in place, but it's called Handling the Undead. This is uh, directed by Thea... A uh, bunch of consonants in a row. <laughs> Hevestadol. <laughs> Thea Hevestadol. Um, it is uh, the reteaming of Rene Rincevitz and Anderson, D- Anders Danielson Lee of uh, Worst Person in the World fame. Have you caught up with that, by the way? The Worst Person in the World from 2021? Uh, I have not. I need to you see bastard. that one, honestly. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's so good. It's so good, dude. How dare you? <laughs> I know. I need to see. There's a lot of movies, all right. 
All right, this, maybe, this it'll, maybe it'll come up on my our roulette this time. <laughs> maybe sure I have it in my watch list. Maybe. I've got like 600 movies in my watch list, so cut me Jesus. a break. <laughs> so Anderson Danielson Live was in a movie called The Night Eats the World, which was directed by Dominique Rocher in 2018. So I'm curious if he gave any tips to his uh, co-star Renate uh, about uh, being in a zombie film. But I'm highly, highly... <laughs> Highly looking forward to that. Um, another one called Love Me, which is a Kristen Stewart and Stephen Yuen film that's that's debuting there. Uh, another one called A Real Pain, uh, which has Jesse Eisenberg and Kieran Culkin, which is the second directorial effort from Jesse Eisenberg uh, that's debuting there. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Sundance uh, veteran Deborah Granick from Winter's Bone and Leave No Trace fame has a new film out debuting there called Con Buddy versus Everybody, uh, which is about Cos Marty constructs Con Buddy, a gym modeled after the exercises he learned while incarcerated, which sounds pretty interesting. A uh, uh, what do you call those? Music doc about the band Devo is debuting there. Uh, we have one called Freaky Tales, which is uh, one of those, uh, what do you call those? Like uh, four, four interconnected tales. So it's oh, a- anthologies? Anthology theory. Uh, yeah, anthology movie. Thank you. Uh, starring Pedro Pascal and Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, that's debuting there. Um, that which reminded me of, if I ever hear a movie that's like an anthology with the tales in the title, it always makes you think of uh, Wild Tales. I don't know if you've ever seen the film Wild Tales, Derek. I have not. I'm a bastard, apparently. <laughs> Wild <laughs> Tales. Uh, let's see. Uh, I believe it was from 2014. Oh, uh, yeah. 2014 uh, Argentinian movie uh, directed by Damien Cisfran. Uh, six short stories that explore the extremities of human behavior involving people in distress. Very, very good movie from, from that year. Uh, let's tell you what else we got. We got Hitman, obviously the one that's been... Uh, been promoted, big deal, from Mr. Richard Linklater, starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arohan, Arona. Um, we got that coming out. We got a very interesting movie um, starring Miss Kristen Stewart and Katie O'Brien called Love's Lie- Love Lies Bleeding. Uh, this was very okay. interesting. This was very interesting to me because it was directed by the same by Rose Glass, who did Saint Maud from 2019. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen Saint Maud. Seem to board. Mm, nope, nope. nope. Add another one to the list that you're going to chastise <laughs> me about. Yeah, I will. I will. Uh, this is just I, a, like you be like naming like like indie shit that like like people shit. were watching during the pandemic that indie like shit that you had to like buy on VOD for like twenty bucks. Exactly. No, rent it for twenty dollars. Not even buy it. You just have to rent right, it for twenty dollars. Right. Uh, and lastly, we have a movie called Presence by Mr. Steven Soderbergh, uh, starring Lucy Liu, mm. Chris Sullivan, and. Kalina Liang, about a, the synopsis is, a family moves into a suburban house and becomes convinced they're not alone. Has Mr. Soderbergh ever done a straight-up horror movie? I know a lot of people see uh, Contagion as a horror movie, but I'm not sure if he's done anything that can be construed as straight horror. He he does a lot of thrillers, you know, like Kimmy's a thriller and, yeah. uh, you know, Side like, effects, like sort of. Side Effects, uh, Haywire is a thriller, I think, an action yeah. thriller. Um, but I don't think he's ever done just like a horror film. Yeah, that's that's what this seems like. Uh, Solaris, okay. I guess, is sort of horror tinge thing. Uh, kind of. Kind I of don't know of. if I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, Unsane is a horror movie, right? Unsane, or is it, okay. I've, I haven't yeah. seen it, but it sounds like it. Yeah, I yeah, haven't yeah. either. Yeah. Yes. So that is some of the stuff I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing about coming out of it and seeing it uh, in 10 months from now <laughs> when it finally yeah. when it finally gets released. Uh, for like, well, like that's, you said, that's for, what happens with. 
with all these these uh you know Sundance movies, it's they're things that aren't really on my radar or a lot of people's radar, and then you know then it ends up being like you know with the uh, with past lives, you know people saw it, it got snatched up, uh, and it became both of our favorite movie of the year last year. So yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's coming out that's going to be, you know, this year's uh, Everything Everywhere or, like I said, Past Lives, but it'd be uh, very interesting to see what comes out of that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, that, that's the this, thing. We don't know. Like, yeah. like, you know, we don't know what's going to come out of this, you know, what's going to be, you know, the coda or whatever and just kind the of... coda, yeah, jeez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's always funny. Like, some years you have your coda, some years you have everything everywhere all at once. Some years you have, mm-hmm. some years you have a Past Lives, some years you have a Nomadland. Um, yeah, just... <laughs> Never know. I'd be very interested to know, like, what's the selection process for, you know, showing movies there. Um, I, mm-hmm. I was listening to an interview with the Sundance director, um, and he was talking about how they have like seven thousand or maybe even more uh, submissions for for the festival. And uh, I guess he says over the course of like six months, him and his team will sort of watch like a few hundred of them and and mm-hmm. uh, pare that down to. I'm not sure what the actual. Um, how many they actually show at the festival, you know, full stop um, over the over the seven day festival? But I can't assume it's more than you know more than sixty or seventy, right? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I would have to look at it to be sure. You know, I actually have never gone to a film, but I go to plenty of festivals, but they're for music. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's interesting. I need to go to the, there's the Newport one out here that I have been meaning to go to at some point that I might be able to get into with a press badge at some point. But um, yeah, I don't know. They have a uh, one here called the uh, Berkshire uh, International Film Festival, which I've always been meaning to go to uh, down mm-hmm. in Stockbridge. But yeah, be very interested to see see it up close and stuff like that. Touch, uh, rub hands, glad hands, and rub uh, rub shoulders with the big shots. Kiss <laughs> for, babies, for kiss babies, exactly. So yeah. uh, with that, I've got a shit ton of stuff. Like I said before we started recording, I uh, had a few days off, so I definitely caught up. Definitely um, and on. And I'm on pace to uh, see one movie a day. Um, I'm the 26 right now. You said you said you said you've seen 30. Uh, thanks to the what mm-hmm. if <laughs> each of those episodes. Thanks to, yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah, what if counting counting each of those is they count <laughs> on Letterboxd as a short film. Yeah. So I was like, I'll take it. Sure, sure. I wasn't yeah. even trying to do the challenge this year, but like and the same thing happened last year where I just like yeah started out the year with like watching a bunch of a bunch of stuff, and then I was like, I'm actually ahead. Maybe I'll keep this going. I don't know if I'll keep it going this year, but we'll see. Yeah, speaking of uh, TV shows that I uh, replied to Letterboxd, to our Letterboxd um, watch list, or whatever you want to call it, um, The Curse, mm-hmm. finished up its 10-episode run uh, this past Sunday on Showtime, I guess, even. But now, ugh, Jesus Christ, Showtime is now being absorbed by uh, Paramount, right? Paramount bought, is, is absorbed. Yeah, it's like Paramount <laughs> Plus, you pay extra money. If you have Paramount Plus, which I do, but then you have to pay extra money for like the... Like you can like watch there's like Showtime add-ons awful. for like Paramount Plus or like Amazon, um, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> this uh, the curse uh, debuted on Showtime Plus, whatever. Uh, I finished up his run, um, and it's very very strange. I'm not going to spoil anything here because you haven't seen it, but uh, yeah, suffice to say, um, the way it ends just comes out of nowhere, and it's and it's very. Uh, Benny Safdie tinged. <laughs> it's got the Nathan Fielder, <laughs> Benny Safdie, uh, sort of just just out there, um, metaphysical sort of um, tinge to it. So, 
yeah, that's really all I'll say about it. Um, I think it is. I was telling, I was talking to my coworker about this. Um, I think it's a show. I think it's an ending where I'm very much glad that I watched it from the beginning. I think if I hadn't watched mm-hmm. this from the beginning, and if, if I had to catch up, I, I don't. I don't know if I could recommend this to you or to anybody that hasn't watched this. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could recommend um, binging this because I don't know if that you know like day day and a half three days uh, commitment you'd have to you'd have to throw at this to to binge it because each episode's like 35 45 minutes um, each. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if the ending uh, warrants that sort of commitment. <laughs> like, like I said, I'm glad okay. I watched. I'm glad I watched it week to week because. Doing that, I think it was worth it, but I don't know if I could recommend uh, binging it. Like I said, but uh, so I'll yeah. just, I'll just, I'll just watch an episode and then wait a week and then watch the next yeah. one. There you go, you can do that. I guess like a normal <laughs> person. I guess you know that that idea of not, but not the <laughs> the idea of not binging a thing it never occurs to me. I guess when you, when you, when you <laughs> you're like, I thing. didn't realize you could do that. <laughs> I didn't know that's a thing. Wow, huh? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the curse. Uh, I liked it, uh, but yeah, a lot, lot of stuff, a lot of weird stuff happened to that. Uh, you checked out. Let's see what you checked out. The Beekeeper, Mr. Jason Stotham. Have, have you heard people pronounce his last name as Stotham? I didn't know that. No, could... that's weird. It's Statham. Statham. Yeah, I've heard people call him Stotham from from the UK. So maybe those those weird people over there across the pond say it like that. But this know. is from Mr. David Ayer of of SWAT fame, of uh, Training Day fame, and of course Suicide fame. Uh, what do you think of the Beekeeper? Suicide Squad. It's it's a uh... Some kind of suicide. Uh, this is, you know, Dave Ayer. I think pe- he tricked people earlier in his career to think he was he's a good director. Yeah. Because uh, this Beefkeeper movie is very bad, but in kind of a fun way. And I honestly don't know how intentional it is because it seems like ridiculous. Like this movie is is ridiculous. It's just like a less self-aware John Wick. And it's very little. It's It's... You know what it is? It is, it's a perfect combination of two insane things that should never be combined, which is John Wick and uh, Jerry Seinfeld's B movie. It it feels like <laughs> a exact midpoint wow. between those wildly disparate things. Uh, and yes, I mean, I think I think if to have someone else in this uh, besides Statham, who I've over the like the past year or so have really come around to, him, like Statham always understands the assignment. Uh, he's really great in it. I'm I'm watching this movie and I'm just like, I don't know if this is like a MAGA movie or like like what like <laughs> you know. But yeah. it's it's it goes off the rails in the end in a pretty fun and insane way. Uh, and it like it's the movie's like structure is just ridiculous. Where it's like um he'll. Like they keep introducing like big bads, and then they're like, "This is the crazy person. He's got to fight this person." And then you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be the big bad for the whole movie." And then he just kills that person in the next scene, <laughs> and they do that like three or four times. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, and like to the point where they're like, the last one shows up, he's just like in the room, and he's not even introduced. They're not like, "This is the guy who's gonna." It's just like he's just in a conversation. He's like, "Oh." you got to fight the beekeeper and he's like some south african guy and you're like it's it's insane and unlike john wick or like a lot of these action heroes he's just fucking invincible it's like the the thing people complain about with die hard like die hard one bruce willis is like a guy and then by die hard five he's like a superhero can like jump through buildings and is invincible and jason statham is just invincible in this movie you know 
Also, his name is Adam Clay, which is the most dumb on the nose <laughs> shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, oh, Adam Clay. Adam was made from clay in the Bible. Blah. Yes. He's the first man. This guy's an original man. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. What um what separates this for you, Derek, um, from like extraction? Like you were saying, okay, he's just invincible. Do you go into a movie like Extraction and be like, oh yeah, I know he's gonna be I know he's gonna be invincible from the big from the beginning and the beekeeper didn't establish him as being that type of guy? What what does that for you? I feel like like uh he's much less invincible. Like he I feel like you know, quote Tyler Rake, you know, yeah. uh the character from Extraction, if people might not know. Yep. is is less uh less invincible like he feels like like that prison break scene he feels like at any moment he could like die like there's even that shot where he like gets like knocked cold and yeah. like he the ears like there's no he, there's no vulnerability like that um for the beekeeper and also just extraction was just shot really really well yep. and this isn't like shot poorly or anything but like extraction just because it's made by like a former stuntman is insane like it looks so freaking good um neither of them are the deepest most more most interesting characters but i think that i do feel some genuine moments in extraction where i'm like oh he's vulnerable here there's not a single second where the beekeeper is ever vulnerable he's always just fucking up everyone constantly and just you can like he just can just go like anywhere in the entire world and do anything there. He doesn't have to plan or think he just, he's like, I'm going to have it. Beekeeper. I'm going to get in this place. You know, so you see if he go, but doing this, you know, and he just goes and does it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so, I saw it in fucking true yeah. IMAX, even though it wasn't shot. in IMAX. <laughs> wow. So wait, did it it's not use the whole screen then? How did that work? No, it didn't. It was funny. It was like a third of the screen. It was like the middle Jesus. third of the screen. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Because so my is... friend was really so excited to see it. So I was like, yeah, well, I'll go to the stupid IMAX with you and watch the Beekeeper. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> it's a, you know what it is? It's a it's, it's a right. movie that I, it's a two heart heart movie on Letterboxd, you know? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's just fine. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's a movie that's like, it's not good, but it's fun. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so that's the beekeeper. Um, I went back and watched or looked through, looked through my um, letterbox assignments from from past from your, um, and I watched one of them, one of the longest ones I had on there, which I uh, was was uh, you know uh, tempted to watch because of the runtime, but I finally watched it because it's uh, it's one of the best uh, Stephen King ad- adaptations, which is The Green Mile from 1999. Again, uh, you know, proving why that year is the best year in movies, hands down. Um, obviously directed by Mr. Frank. The movie about bees. That's yeah. I was wondering what was coming out of his mouth: bees or locusts or some some sort of thing coming out of Mr. Uh, uh, what's coffee? John Coffee's mouth. I don't. They didn't really specify what they were and what was happening. Uh, just sort of like some some sort of insects were coming out of his mouth and then quickly dissipating. So I don't think they really. I don't think digging into the the logistics of what is actually happening was uh, was too important to the uh, overall plot of this thing. Uh, a lot of a lot of really good uh, character actors in this movie. We got Harry Dean Stanton, Patricia Clarkson, Barry Pepper, Sam Rockwell was a was a great uh, great addition to this, playing uh, just a insane dude, Wild Bill Wharton. But you know, you obviously have that guy who's just uh, he's chaotic evil, but then you have like. The other, the uh, actual uh, prison guard, who's actually 
evil, evil, straight up evil, uh, which is uh, he's played by. I'm trying to find his name here. You know what I'm talking about? The actual the prison guard that was just a fucking dick throughout the entire thing. Uh, I haven't seen it. So <laughs> Coffee, you've never seen the Green Mile. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's see. No. Graham Green. What more? No, not Warren. Not Stanton. Uh, let's see. Dedrick. 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 Huh. What was the guy's name? Michael Jeter. Was that the guy? No. Anyways, oh Percy, yeah, <laughs> Percy, Percy Wetmore. Yes. Okay. There we go. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Now, just uh, you had because okay. you, you what? <laughs> no, just keep oh, it. What? I didn't say anything. Okay. Keep right. going. I'm going. Um, so, yeah, Sam Rockwell was amazing in this. Uh, Graham Greene, uh, Michael Jeter, James Cromwell was great in this. So you have a, just an amazing cast of people in this. Uh, definitely didn't feel like three hours. Uh, nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, and uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah, fantastic. One of the best, um, one of the best uh, adapted Stephen King adaptations. Uh, what's your favorite St- Stephen King adaptation, would you say? Uh, probably stand by me. Yeah. Uh, that's, that one's, you know, based on the body. Uh, that's that's a great, that's a great coming of age story. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I'll probably put this up there with like Shawshank Redemption, uh, based on the, Mm. um, yeah. Uh, what's her name? I forgot the the woman's name that they, Oh, Rita Hayward. Rita Hayward. Shawshank Redemption. Those are from the same short story collection, by the way. They are. Yep. Yeah. I, I listened to that. Yeah, listen to that collection uh, a while back. Very good. Very good collection. Uh, yeah. So that was very good. Uh, let's go back to you. Uh, you saw Tremors. Is this the original? Tremors? Yeah, Tremors. Tremors. Nice. And then, yeah, because the sequel, it's not like there's one and they're like, oh, there was one Tremor here. <laughs> Hopefully there's no more in the sequel. Yes. Uh, yeah. Have Have you ever seen this movie? Oh, yeah. It was a, it was a, a staple in my household growing up. Oh, yeah. I'd never seen it. It's one of my friend's favorite movies or among her favorite movies, and she was like, yeah, it was, you know, she just had a new baby, so I was like, she's like, come over, meet meet the new baby, and then after I put the kids to sleep, uh, like, you, me, and my husband were gonna watch Tremors, and I was like, let's go, I have never seen Tremors, and this movie was a lot of fun. This was ridiculous, you know, it's just like, it's Jaws on land, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's, it's uh, you know, it's fun. Um, I had a really good time with it. Kevin Bacon, is is kind of the best it's yeah it's just a good it's like yeah what if jaws but in the wild west except it's modern but like pretty much just the wild west so i had a lot of fun with it it's it's kind of just a you know a real great creature feature movie um and it was so cool seeing like these this prosthetic there was like there was you know i like cg but like when everything is done with cg like it was there was something cool about just seeing these like great creations you know these actual physical things coming out after him. Just a great monster movie. Yeah, this was one of the first um, videos I watched with the Corridor crew. They do videos of like, you know, breaking down good and bad CGI and sort of looking at scenes from movies and breaking them down and sort of talking about how they might have been how they might have been done. And they did uh, they looked at this a scene from this movie where you have uh, Reba Reba McIntyre and her uh, and her husband uh Michael Gross in the film, uh, one of them breaks through their underground bunker where they have a, like a <laughs> just an armory of gu- a massive amount of guns yeah. in their basement, and they sort of like throw everything they have at it. And there's a part where I think the the graboid grabs the, one of them, and that thing is obviously prosthetic. That thing's actually there, 
but um, they sort of had to superimpose one of them in front of the other, in front of the Graboid to make it, because there was something, there was this, something that was doing something where you couldn't like just animate it with the prosthetics. You had to do some level CGI, but it was a very interesting sort of combination of prosthetics and CGI and also uh, superimposing uh, the actors, uh, you know, onto the background also. So it was very cool. Yeah, like you said, very good use of a combination of uh, practical and CGI effects. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. It's you know, uh, it's a, a lot like you know how Jurassic Park. Uh, in that they were like, we're gonna use like we can't use the CGI for everything, so we'll just use it in the moments where we need it, and we'll use the practical stuff, and it just looks so much better. Honestly, like I mean, there's some great stuff that uses only CGI, but yeah, the way that they blended them and they only use they use them to fill in the gaps instead of just for everything is, is really nice. Yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, back to me. Um, I finally watched the creator, which, uh, came out, I think mm. was a, f- oh yeah, September 29th, 2023. So not too long ago. I thought it maybe debuted earlier in the summer. Uh, this is obviously directed by Mr. Gareth Edwards of Godzilla fame. And he came mm-hmm. out, uh, with monsters in 2010. Uh, obviously he did rogue one, a star Wars story, um, so this is his latest endeavor, uh, starring John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Ken Watanabe, Sturgill Simpson, and Allison Janney. Have you seen this? Did you catch up with this? I did. Yeah, this was yeah. on my uh, list of honorable mentions for the best of last year. Nice. Yeah. It was one of the last movies I watched before our show. One of the last ones. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, um, yeah I wasn't too big a fan of like, you know, you're trying to, um, you know, combine like vietnam imagery you know trying to say like you know look how terrible <laughs> the u.s's uh, military industrial complex is and isn't it awful we do to the south asian people and it's like yeah i, I know are you gonna say anything else new about it not really okay cool <laughs> it's just i don't really care for that um hans zimmer did the hans zimmer did the um the score of it but they try to like be tried to be very artsy fartsy with it because they they play um everything that's right place by Radiohead during one of the sort of uh, invasion scenes where, where they're in the helicopters where you would, you know, these, these shots and these imageries images are very evocative of, you know, Apocalypse Now. So Apocalypse Now obviously had Ride of the Valkyries. Like, da, 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 da. So I guess he's trying to go for a, a more somber tone to it, but uh, that didn't really work for me very much. I, I, I was trying to look for your review or trying to remember what you said about this movie, but I'm not sure if you were too high on it or not. Well, I put it on my honorable mentions. I, I liked it a lot, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I get why some people wouldn't, but you know, it like, cause the plots, whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised you, you don't like it because you're like a weird stand for AI, <laughs> a garbage. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, you, I would expect you to be like, yeah, Denzel, let's save the AIs. I love my journey or whatever. <laughs> Denzel, fuck. you mean his son? Who gives, Denzel Jr. Denzel, the Denzel Jr. Uh, <laughs> uh, just like let's let's let let's kill the artists and let's support the AI stealing from them. Uh, yes. But no, um, I it worked on me for on an emotional level. You know, I did cry a little bit at the end. I'm not gonna lie, that last scene. Uh, yeah. I I <laughs> I you know, it was more of an emotionally resonant movie than like. A masterpiece, which is why it didn't crack my top ten. Yeah. But I, I quite enjoyed it, and I don't know. It's it's nice to just get a uh, not humongous budget, but a 
pretty a pretty substantially sized budget movie for an original piece of film you know something that's not based on anything you know uh and so i'm just like you know from that point of view like i kind of i feel like i got i I didn't i wish i had seen it in the theater yeah i did um i i because i think this would have been a really good watch in theaters um but yeah i mean you know i I love seeing original big sci-fi stuff like this um there's not really enough of it and the fact that it failed unfortunately for whatever reason um uh, is not a good sign, but yeah. Um, so I watched a bunch of stuff based on going through uh, Letterbox and going through mm-hmm. most popular, just the most popular stuff on Letterbox, basically. Um, and obviously, it works pretty well because you can sort of uh, gray out anything you've seen, and anything that you haven't seen obviously pops up pretty quickly. One of the things I haven't seen, which is the most one of the most popular uh, movies on Letterbox, is Mother, Mother. Mother! Mother! You got to pronounce the exclamation point. Directed by Mr. Darren Aronofsky, who had a film out last year called The Whale. Just The Whale. Not The Whale. Just The Whale. Uh, (laughs) Two years ago now. (laughs) Two years ago now. Yes, you're right. Um, But this, uh, by comparison, Mother, um, 2017, (laughs) starring Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer, a bunch of people in this. Brian Gleason. I thought his. I thought there was another uh, Gleason in this. I think that Brian Gleason is it? What's his name? The guy, his son, Brendan son, Gleason. Brendan. Oh yes, Dom, Domo Gleason. They also have a Domham somebody, Gleason. Oh, okay. They have. They have somebody named Brian Gleason. Apparently, played the brother, the younger brother. Oh, okay. He has a he has a brother, apparently named Brian Brian Gleason. Did not know that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. There's all these Gleasons running around. Yeah, so many Gleasons. <laughs> a lot of Gleasons. <laughs> um, so you haven't seen this, right? Uh, but you know the basic setup of it. Really yeah, there's it. a mother, and she's got kids, and okay. I wouldn't be spoiling it, anything right? to. I wouldn't be spoiling anything to say is basically uh, Aronofsky's take on like the Bible, and also like Jennifer Lawrence basically plays Earth. Have you heard? Have you heard the basic take of this? The basic, I, yeah, this. that she's like Earth or Eve, and I can't remember which one he disputed, but he was like, "It's not this; it's actually this." So in the credits. Jennifer Lawrence's character is called Mother. Um, Javier Bardem's character is called Him. <laughs> it's him. It's literally him. Uh, Ed Harris is called Man. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is called Woman. So, I mean, just uh, on the surface level, right? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is Earth. Uh, Javier Bardem is God. Uh, Ed Harris is uh, Adam. And Michelle Pfeiffer is... Is Adam uh, Clay, the first man formed from Clay <laughs> who became a beekeeper. <clears throat> Yes, uh, Mitchell Pfeiffer is is Eve in that situation because it's obvious because you have Domo Gleason and his and his brother uh, playing um, what's the two kids that kill each other? Um, uh, uh, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Thank you. So it's, it's obviously that, and then everybody else coming in. I don't know. They're they're people. They're man. They just destroy the house that they live in. And uh, I don't know. It would be very interesting to come at this movie not knowing any of that. You know, I, I don't know if it's possible <laughs> to grow up as a person in, in Western culture and not know the story of the Bible, but it'd be very mm-hmm. interesting to, to show this to somebody that didn't know, you know the story of the Bible. Um, it would be very interesting to see if that works on that level, you know, of, of it just being a movie because every – line of dialogue i'm like i'm like you know applying it to oh it's it's, it's mother Earth saying why are you killing my my house this is my house you're you're destroying it you're setting it a fire you're you're disgracing it you're destroying it you're you're corrupting it you're polluting it you're blah blah blahing it. it's like yes okay that's very <laughs> how, i don't know how 
Darren Aronofsky can can say with a straight face, no, she's not Earth. Come on, bro. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but it's just uh, it's it's interesting also to see it to watch it the first first time in 2023 in in the light of watching something like you know Bo's Afraid because uh, you saw Bo's Bo's Afraid, right? I did. Yeah. So it's it's that it's that sort of tone. It's that. It's 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 a person running through an environment and a and a place and a setting and saying saying like, what are you doing? The person's just like, fuck you, I'm whatever, I'm doing this. It's just people ignoring her, um, ignoring everything she's saying, just being fucking dicks to her and being very violent, being very aggressive, and it reminded me very 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 much of of Bo's afraid. So I'd be very surprised if Mother was not a huge inspiration uh, tonally and aesthetically. Mother. And, <laughs> be very surprised if Mother was not a huge inspiration for for Bo's Afraid. So, yeah, I, f- I feel like if you've seen Bo's Afraid, you've seen Mother in in just the sense that uh, Bo's Afraid is Mother for the boys, as I said in my letterbox review. So that was Mother, Mother, mm-hmm. uh, Mister Aronofsky's. Uh, yeah, delve. I think a lot of people call oh, it horror. Darren. It was horror. Yeah, I think it was horrific, horrific at parts. So I can understand why they would do that. Yeah, recommend it for mm. that, for performances and all of that stuff. Um, so let me keep going because I got quite a few things. I'll, I'll try to do a little bit of a speed round here. Um, we got a movie called Humanist Vampire Seeking Consenting Suicidal Person uh, from director Ariane Louise Sees. I'm not sure what else that person has done, uh, but this very much grabbed me. Um, as I said in my letterbox review, um, if... You know, 13-year-old me would have made this movie his entire personality, and 38-year-old me still will, um, because this was <laughs> very much like Only Lover Left Alive, the Jim, Jim Jarmusch movie with Mr. Tom Hiddleston and uh, Tilda Swinton, uh, which were, who played uh, very, very... Um, like emo vampires, um, very slowly mm. and slowly vampires, um, vampires that probably did a lot of mescaline and meth and heroin. Huh. <laughs> uh, also, Let the Right One In was a, probably a huge influence on this movie because it's very, mm. yeah, it's very dreamlike, very very uh, ghost worldy. Um, I will say so. I enjoyed I enjoyed it very much. Um, had some had some great um, music in it, which. Um, it was an interesting thing I did, which was uh, I didn't know what the movie. I didn't know what the song was called. I didn't know anything about the, about the movie. There's not a lot written about it online because it's a you know f- small indie uh, foreign film. It's so not I, even out yet. Uh, it's it's out on my Plex. It's out on my Plex. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> at it's at it's making the rounds of festivals right now. But yeah, is it? No, it was it's it's yeah. thing. Tiff. Yeah, was that Tiff? Um, Last year, I want to say. Let's see. What was that the... Venice? Yeah, it was at the festivals last year. It's not it has not gotten a theatrical release or a streaming release yet. Well, it's streaming on my Plex. I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna go ahead and <laughs> from now on just say my Plex because fuck, fuck, uh, fuck distributors, fuck streamers, fuck the um, whole system. Uh, you can get it there. You can you can text me, e- email me at uh, midnightfilmsociety at gmail.com, and I'll give you a link there. I'm, I'm just doing. I'm just uh... doing that now. I'm just doing that. Um, what was I going to say about this? Um, oh, it's not distributing. It's not distributing anywhere, but you can you can see it. I highly recommend uh, checking it out because it's very very good. Oh, the the music. Um, so I hooked up um, a Shazam. Shazam has like an in app browser um, or in in browser yeah. app, I should say. Um, so I just played the music. I played the end theme. Played the music from the end of the movie and had Shazam listen to it and actually pulled it up. It's um, let me see if I can pull it up very quickly here. Um, it was like an old. 
old French song from like, I'm not sure when. It was called Dracula, Dracula Yee by Andres Parahansi. Para, Pahar, Parhans, Parhansi, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Dracula Yee Yee. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. It's, it definitely yeah. reminded me of the beginning of um, of Ghost World because it, because it has this like, da 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 that sort of song um if you listen to it you'll know <laughs> look up look up uh, <laughs> i feel like i just heard it <laughs> andre parati's dracula yee yee very very fun uh yeah so there's that human is vampire seeking consenting suicidal person very fun for me uh let's see what else we got here uh priscilla you, you also checked out priscilla uh, a few weeks ago, a while back, yeah, yeah, I teased this quite often at the end of last year. Uh, this is obviously Sofia Coppola's uh, most recent directorial mm-hmm. effort, distributed by A twenty four, stars Kelly Spaney and Jacob Lordy. Um, also, Dagmar Dagmar Dominski from, uh, from Succession. I recognized that voice. And I was like, "Who is that person?" It's like, "Yeah, it's that, it's, that, uh, it's her from that show." Uh, very good. I enjoyed it very much. Again, that sort of. Um, not meandering sort of tone, but uh, that sort of whispery, dreamlike feeling that uh, Miss Coppola always has in her movie. I definitely mm. uh, loved it for for just that. Uh, so yeah, give it a give it like a three and a half to four on on the old letterbox over there. So yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, that's it's a solid movie, and like I said, it's it's an interesting, very interesting, and a much better movie than Elvis. Uh, companion piece to it, I feel like unintentionally from both parties, but it does really work in as a kind of a alternate to that, which is so big and loud and obviously about Elvis, and this is very quiet and soft and about Priscilla. About Priscilla, exactly, exactly. Um, going back to the thing I was talking about at the beginning about how I'm uh, finally going through my backlog, not just a backlog, but like how um, how Litterbox sort of. Uh, uh, you know, has their popular stuff sorted. You can sort by popularity, and I can go through there and be like, "Oh, okay, I missed, I missed a lot of stuff <laughs> from the late two thousands, early two thousands. Yeah. Um, a lot of anime, a lot of DreamWorks animated stuff. I haven't seen Tangled. I haven't seen any of the Dominion. Uh, what? Now I get to shame you. Yeah, bastard. I'm a bastard for not seeing that movie. <laughs> um, what else have I not seen? Like I said, a lot of DreamWorks animated stuff. Have not seen any of the Despicable Me's or the Minion films. Um, but the thing that's fine. Uh, some of them are good. Yeah, a couple of things that I checked out from the early 2010s uh, when I, I feel like Twee peaked. Which Twee Twee meaning like you know <laughs> uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Twee meaning like um, 500 Days of Summer. That sort of thing. That that sort of um, you know pixie manic pixie dream girl. That sort of. Uh, that sort of storytelling, that sort of, um, what do you call that, um, characterization, that sort of thing. Um, one of them mm-hmm. was The Person Being a Wallflower, uh, directed by Stephen Chbosky, uh, starring Logan Lerman, which I was like, where's this well, guy? He, he wrote the original book. Gotcha. Uh, Chbosky. Gotcha. Yeah. Have you read it? Are you? Uh... I have. It's it's a really fucking good book. It fucked me up. It's, uh, hmm. uh, I guess, okay, so he did also, He all, I'm bringing him now, he did... Uh, direct it as well. Um, yes. But yeah, he wrote the book. Um, but yeah, the book is is very very good. It's very the you know great adaptation, which makes sense because you know written and directed by the original author. Uh, yeah, Logan Lerman. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Logan. I'm just looking up his uh, uh, 
filmography here. Uh, he was in Bullet Train, apparently, playing The Sun in Bullet Train from 2022. It's interesting. Um, what was I going to say about this movie? Did So you read the book and you saw the movie, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you did. Um, was there any, like, indication or any sort of um, leaning towards or any sort of, like... Um, Anything in the book or the movie, or you, when you're watching the movies, you feel like they were going to do a reveal where, like, the friend, those the the people that he was friends with, um, played by Emma Watson, um, what was her name in the movie in the book, uh, Samantha, Samantha and Patrick, um, they were mentioning early on about how Charlie had like you know mental illness and how he had like schizophrenia and things like that. Was there anything in the book, and did you get a feeling in the, in the for the book or the movie that they were not real at any point? No. <laughs> no, no, I did not. I did not uh, okay. think that. No. Okay. All right. Because he's a lo- you know, he's a loner. He's having trouble making friends, and it's this very like uh, fantastical sort of thing where they sort of um, Samantha and Patrick sort of you know go over go over to him and say, hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to be friends? That sort of thing. So I was, and and they don't really appear until he starts smoking smoking uh, marijuana. So I wasn't sure if there was anything. To, to that theory of like <laughs> these people don't seem real because they're too friendly to him who's like this that's, a, that's just like a fucking looper article right there just like well did you what here's an internet theory that they were actually not real the whole time and ferris bueller was all in cameron's imagination <laughs> now that one I'll, I'll go for that one i'll go for um i liked paul rudd in this he was very good uh, in this movie he's very good in this he, yeah he, yeah he's in uh nita dobrev uh, early early role for her in this playing his sister and a very early uh nicholas braun co- cousin greg was in this as ponytail derek <laughs> candace's candace's uh weird boyfriend i was like oh that's, that's uh cousin greg huh tall greg nice cool so yeah, glad, glad I finally caught up with that, and also uh, another early, early 2010s or no, sorry, not early 2010s, late late 2000s um, sort of staple of not um, not a manic pixie not a manic pixie dream girl, but a very twee sort of movie. Not really twee, but you know, um, you know, one of those movies from the late 2000s everyone's that everyone's seen except for me, which was uh, and the me. Day- oh, you have not seen Day- the Devil of Prada? I have not seen it. No, yeah. I haven't. It's fine. Like it moves and it's funny and it's got like it's 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 funny because it's not a rom com because mm-hmm. uh, Anne Hathaway's character is already she already has a boyfriend and she's not she's not trying to get with anybody else. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get no no spoilers for this movie, but she doesn't you know get with anybody else. So she's not it's not a it's not a romantic thing and it's also not like she's not. Um, ambitious in terms of her job so it's not that sort of movie as well i'm not really sure how to describe this movie uh or what it what it is but it's very it's very good uh very good early in hathaway very good um very fun to see early and young uh emily blunt plays uh, meryl streep's assistant uh i always love seeing the tooch man stanley tucci's in here playing uh meryl streep's sort of uh the tooch the tooch man is in this uh, yeah, very fun. Gerge loins. I know he says that <laughs> at some point. Uh, and I don't know if you uh, know this guy by name, but Simon Simon Baker, Simon Lucas Baker, is also in this for playing a uh, yeah attractive man. <laughs> that's all he does. He's the mentalist for people that <laughs> okay. don't know. That's what, I mean. That's kind of what he does. He just he's just Australian. He's is Australian. He? Okay. Well, yeah, he's playing an attractive Australian I remember the first man. time I heard him speak, I was like, "Well, What's... this is just one of those things you hear him speak for the first time. You're like, what? That guy's from Australia." Whoa, it's crazy. It's like, you know, when you, th- you hear Chris Hemsworth do his real voice, you're like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> exactly. Um, so that was good. I enjoyed that very much. Recommend that. Uh, I always like I, I like knocking things off my list like that, where I can go through and just like, oh shit, I've seen almost everything. Almost I've seen almost all the popular stuff on Letterboxd. Yay for me! Uh, so I saw that. Um, another another popular one that's on, on Letterboxd that I haven't seen. Uh, speaking of like boomer shooters or like you know just just action movies for the sake of action. Uh, Anto- Antoine Fuqua's uh, 2014 The Equalizer. Uh, have you seen this film, sir? I have not. Oh. I haven't seen any of the Equalizer movies. Yeah, uh, this is my this is my first one as well. Uh, again, speaking of um, early roles, uh, early David Harper role. Um, this is back in 2014. Uh, he's actually been a bunch of stuff. Uh, let's see. Um, I just had it pulled up. Uh, Revolutionary Road in 2008, State of Play in 2009, A Walk Amongst the Tombstones in 2014, Black Mass 2015. And then he's off to the races in the uh, Stranger Things uh, show there. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's weird. It's, you see him, he shows up and shit. Like, he does. you're like, oh, yeah, he was in Quantum of Solace. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, Chloe Grace Moretz was in this. Uh, another so, sort of early role for her, yeah. early-ish. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good, good, good. One of those. Good. Um, you know, just a random, just a, you know, an anonymous dude, and he sort of has to talk to his handler, talk to his, you know, CIA contact, and the contact like living on the Hamptons, and he's like, his his CIA handler is this old woman who's been off the, <laughs> she's been out of the game for too long, and she's she's like, you can't. This can't be, you know, this can't be traced back to me. You know, this get you, this guy you kill, <laughs> he's actually part of this entire, uh, you know, Russian, Russian mobster. Of course he has Russian mobster connections and you just pissed off the, you pissed off the wrong guy. Uh, whatever his name is. <laughs> What's his name? Robert. Yeah. Robert McCall. You you pissed off the wrong guy, McCall. They're, they'll be coming for you now. You got the whole Eastern Seaboard. You got the whole Eastern Seaboard after you now. You're fucked now, McCall. <laughs> He's like, what do you, you gotta need? Gotta equalize like, him. You gotta equalize him, McCall. He's like, what do you what do you need from me? He's like, uh, some guns. Guns are good. <laughs> I used to be in the pips. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was fine. One of those. Um, yeah. I feel like these movies they always come out yeah. in the same year as a John Wick movie, and they always kind of get their lungs eaten by John Wick. They do. They really do. The same year as John Wick one. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Um, Something else we watched, or we we both wanted to watch, because you asked me to put this on the uh, the Plex for you. Well, was, you're like burning through all of yours. Switch back to me. Pump your fucking bricks. I, uh, like I just said, this is something we both might have seen. So I'm trying to. I didn't bring... see it. I didn't see okay, it. Okay, so. I thought you did because you asked me to put it on the Plex for you. I was. Okay. I planned to watch it, but I, I never. To watch I never it. got around. Well, you just want you just burn through five in a row, and now I have my. Because I had list to. to go I can't through. go back and forth because you've seen like six things. I've seen like twenty five. Anyway, yeah, you, but now I have to yes. do five things in a row because you burned through your entire list. I have other things that are not on here. You've got more than <laughs> that are on the list. You've got secret things. <laughs> you've seen Maestro. What's the point you even have in the dock? You've seen Maestro. I have seen Maestro. What'd you think I've of Maestro? Maestro. <laughs> I finished it. I finished it because if you recall, I was watching this in starting to watch this in preparation for our last episode on the day we were recording, and then I was like. I don't think this is going to make a list. I'll finish this later and watch another one that uh, just start another movie to see if it can make the list. And I thought this movie was fine. Like it yeah. was, you know, good performances and it's, it's the, it's a bio, it's a music biopic. It's the same. It's kind of does the same thing about look how great this guy's life is. And we'll go through all the things. And remember that time when Snoopy was in the parade? Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. And Who forgot I'm Snoopy Maestro. in the vestibule? Snoopy was left ah, in the vestibule. 
<laughs> Ew, yeah, Snoopy. Snoopy in the vestibule. It's Snoopy's day. Like, I don't know. Bradley Cooper's doing. Bradley, Bradley Cooper Bradley is Cooper? doing a. Bad, Badly Snoopy is doing a. He's doing a funny voice, which I guess is actually how Leonard Birdson spoke, but, sure. you know. I, I didn't. I liked it. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, well, one thing we forgot to do, one thing you forgot to mention, you forgot to uh, to tell me to do was to do Oscar predictions because they're going to be announced uh, in about four days on Tuesday the twenty third. Uh, so he. Why really... is it my re- responsibility to tell you that? <laughs> that was one of those this joke things. Show. One of those joke things. Um, you. So yeah, the, he very. He obviously very badly wanted. Best director. He wanted to win his directing uh, Oscar. Yeah. That's that's going to go to Nolan. He wanted to win best actor. That's going to go to Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Uh, he wanted um, uh, what's her name, Carrie Mulligan, to get best actress. That's going to go to Lily Gladstone. So just whiffing on all the things he wanted. This this movie might get sound design. It might get uh, original screenplay. Right. It, it might get some below the line Oscars, but I don't see. I don't thing. think it's going to get screenplay, but. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get any of that I don't stuff. Think, I think this is not going to get a ton of stuff, to be honest. Yep. This is, it's like one of those Oscar Beatty movies that comes out and does okay, but like just kind of gets, yeah, like one or two things, a couple nominations, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. It's, um, it's you know, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the classic, like, director comes out with a bang, you know, somebody we know just directs for the first time, and the sophomore thing is really ambitious, but... It's not quite as good as the last thing they did. Yeah, and it's a, the Netflix thing too. And I'm, I, I think going forward, I think Netflix is going to be a not a, a, a uh, what do you call that? Like a, um, like a thing where you look at it and go, oh, Netflix movie, ew. <laughs> it's just gonna be like people are going to look at things that are going to be that they're putting out because you look at like their last few like efforts to get things nominated, like oh, the Power of the Dog. They really wanted to get nominated, right? Um, what was their other one they were mentioning on the? Uh, on Fighting in the War Room, they were talking about Netflix's uh, attempts to get Oscar-nominated things out there. Power of the Gut Dog was like, what, t- two years ago, right? What was, what was the other ones? That was the year, yeah, it was 2021, so it would have been the Oscars. and So it was, yeah, I guess, yeah, it was 2021, uh, so it would have been the 2022 Oscars. And that was the year that everyone thought it was going to win, and then CODA won. And yes. we were like, Netflix has been trying for years to win yes. an Oscar, and finally this other streamer just snatches it from them um i mean all quiet on the western front they were trying for best international right for that one they're trying for best that got nominated for best picture and there was a moment when we thought "Ooh, is this gonna happen because it had its moment that yeah. oscars yeah where it was like winning a bunch of shit that it shouldn't win and everything everywhere just like turned around and just destroyed it for the second half of the show. If you look back and the stuff they they were trying to force down <laughs> the voters' throats, it is a lot of auteur filmmakers putting. Yeah, like, they'll get like Scorsese or something and be like, "Here's a hundred million dollars. Go make a movie about De Niro being sleepy." Or the whatever. Irishman is a great example of them just throwing money at a thing and trying to get awards. Also, if you look back on the list of things that they gave money to, uh, our tour director is Bardo. Remember that thing? I've never even seen that movie because I probably don't want to uh, from In- 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 Uh Blonde, the one we – every Austin, a lot of people hated. Uh, that movie That movie's awful. Sucked. That movie's awful. Yeah. Um, Terrible. I'm just go- I'm just going through the list here. Like, yeah, Irishman is probably the best example of them throwing a bunch of money at it and a, or tour director desperately trying to get uh, an Oscar from that. Um, 
I know there's a bunch of other things. Like I said, um, you know, Coda beat them during the Power of the Dog year. Um, they really wanted mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch to get the Best Actor award there. That went to Will Smith, famously. Um, I'm going to see what else they did. Power of the Dog for Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith-McPhee. They were, they were hoping for a Best Supporting Actor in that. Obviously, trying to get uh, Jane Campion, uh, her directing Oscar there. Uh, yeah, yeah. From, I think from now on, Netflix <laughs> Netflix award uh, contender is going to be just, uh, please stop. <laughs> He's dead already. Stop with this, trying, with this, trying to do that. But anyways, yeah, uh, moving on. Uh, well, want, the ironic well, okay. thing about yes. that is that the reason Coda was able to break through is because Netflix had spent so many years being like, no, like streaming is a, is like stream movies are real movies and spent so many years making these prestige movies and working with these auteurs and doing stuff like the Irishman or like, um, Bardo. What was that? that Bardo or what's the black and white one? Um, from, uh, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, Quran, uh, Alfonso Quran. Oh um, yeah. Um, or no, are you, are you thinking of, uh, yeah, well, oh, oh, yeah, Roma, Roma. Roma, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's stuff like that, you know, um, like, and they, they've been, like, spent years being like, yeah, these streaming movies, they are legitimate things. And then the Academy, when they finally accepted it, they're like, yes, okay, we've spent so many years making these, and finally we're starting to come around to it, and we're going to give it to a different streaming service. Like, I just think that's so funny. Yeah, do you, do you think they're uh, going into this year, maybe this year or next year, they've learned their lesson? Do you think they're going to pull back on investing in our tour directors and their projects going forward? I don't think they will. I honestly gonna think they're going to keep it up until, at least until they win one of these. You know, they like, I, they really want that best picture, I think. Yeah. And I think they're still salty that they got beat out by by apple uh and then they also got beat out by hulu in the emmys you know so it's like yeah both fronts uh they lost uh but i think they're still they're still trying to push that prestige label because they they're really one of the few games in town that is gonna like be like yeah auteurs here's your blank check do what you want to do yeah big big name auteurs yeah definitely um, so you checked out uh, For All Mankind season four. Uh, it was not even. Was See, this those, is what I was talking about. I'm gonna have to do a bunch in a row now. This you is burned through not. All uh, I wasn't even aware this was even out. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think of this? Is it is it all out that they dumped? This it was. No, it, it was week to week. Um, yeah. Last episode was released about a week ago. Uh, yeah, this is really good. Uh, you know, I'm a fan. Do you watch this show? I've never seen one episode. Nope. Oh my god, it's really good. It's it's. (laughs) I mean, it does get a little like sometimes the finales and the and the uh, season premieres. You're like, well, there's gonna be a big disaster in space. You know, you got to have your big moments. Uh, And sometimes that, but then it it always really hits. It always really works. And this season uh, was pretty cool. It was pretty good. They're getting. It's interesting as they get further and further away from the actual events and just to see the domino effect of that. And, you know, season four, you know, slight spoilers, they're on Mars. They've, you know, uh, they like Mars is there's like civilians on Mars and it gets into like unionization and um, like workers rights and all that stuff and uh, collective action uh, in a really interesting way uh, while also being a cool sci fi show. And, you know, it kind of does the thing where it's like it starts, you know, with the moment of 
Uh, spoiler for the premise of the show, it's about starts with what if the Russians landed on the moon first, and that that kind of keeps the space race going. And um, yeah, just seeing the way that that has played out over these seasons, uh, and the way that this one has uh, this one really went with that and ran with it. it's yeah hard to talk about without getting into full spoilers, <laughs> but um, yeah. really. A really good show uh, that I would highly recommend. You know, once again, talking about Apple and how they've gotten kind of are uh, taking things away from Netflix. This is a great fucking show on Apple. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Toby Kevill is apparently in season four. He's a name I've always yeah, heard. New, ban- new character. Bantied about. Um, his filmography is not great. <laughs> Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, War Horse, uh, Monster Calls. Uh, War uh, Horse Gold. is great. You're crazy. I've, I've never seen it, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> War Horse is great. Well, you got Warworth haters need to shut up. <laughs> Fantastic Four back to back with Warcraft the next year. Uh, a monster called. Yeah, but he was a- also in fucking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as the villain, and he's so good in that. Like he's like he's like on par with Andy Serkis in terms of like an amazing mocap performance in that movie. Like they are like equals as far as yeah. I'm concerned in that. He was in to the point of- where they're like, we need to cast someone as King Kong. Can we get Circus? He just did it. Okay, well, let's get the next best thing. Get get Toby Kebbell. He was in one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror called The, the Entire History of You. So that was probably that is a good episode. Many people might know him. Yeah, many, many people might know him from. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, let's see what else you got here. ISS. This is a uh, uh, fantasy film, fantasy sci-fi film. Um, but uh, the ISS. Fantasy now. Yeah, well, no, it's a, it's a sci-fi, say, it's a speculative, speculative fiction yeah. um, premise about uh, International Space Station during the war on Earth. The uh, nuclear nuclear Armageddon happens, and the ISS is. <laughs> I'm just going off what I I yeah, see the commercials. Yeah, basically, yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a sci-fi thriller. You know, one of those one location uh, compact thrillers, and you know, so keeping with the uh, sci-fi space theme, um, you know, it's just. This group of half, it's you know, on the International Space Station, uh, half Russians, half Americans, uh, and they look below and they see nukes going off, and the World War Three basically is is starting, and they're like, "Oh shit!" And it just becomes, you know, they get this message. The Americans get this message. They control of the space station, whatever means necessary. And they're like, "Well, if we got this message, the Russians got this message." And then it becomes this like pressure cooker where these. Uh, this group of people who are friends and colleagues are very untrustworthy of each other, and they are trying to figure out: Do we work together? Do we listen to our superiors and do this? Are are they going to start turning on each other? Are they going to start killing each other? What's going to happen? Um, so a really good it's hey it's January movie you know like <laughs> I, it's 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 the movies yeah. like we just got through with all the great prestige Oscar Beatty movies. I just want to watch something that's just going to be. A fun thriller that I'm not going to think about too much. That's just going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> Ariana DeBoise, you know, is is the lead in this. She's really good. Uh, like everything else with a Russian in it, it's got somebody from the Americans uh, because there's only so many Russian actors, I guess, working in America. Costa Ronan uh, shows up <laughs> in it. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a good it's a good way to like it's Friday night head to the movies with a friend. Check it out. Yeah, they were doing uh, on trial by content. Uh, Joanna Robinson's uh, podcast with Dave Gonzalez and Neil. Uh, what's his last name? 
I don't know, Dave Neal and Joanna uh, do a podcast called Trial by Content. They just did one recently called The Worst January Movie Releases of the 21st Century. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> any of their picks, but that's a very good uh, it's a very good prompt for uh, for a podcast. Yeah, it's very funny. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember if, right. remember that movie that, this, uh, this this ISS movie reminds me of Life. Remember Life with Jake Gyllenhaal yes. and Ryan Reynolds? Everyone thought it was going to be like a secret Venom prequel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me see if I can look that up real quick. There's a bunch of people in that, wasn't there? Like, ridiculously. Yeah, it's like it's a cast of like that guys, you know. Yes. Um, let me see. It was Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal, and I think okay, was, those are those are actually names. Never mind. Those are actual names. Yes. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Hiro Hiroyuki Sanada. You know him if you see his face, you know him. Um, yeah, I love that guy. He's he's like one of my favorite character actors. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I was re- released in March. Okay, so not a not a January uh, dump, but probably is. You know, it's it's in that area of January yeah. dumps. I might say he is my favorite character actor. To be honest, I love that guy. He was just in John Wick Four. He shows yes. up in Law. He's always in. He's a guy who's like he's in Speed Racer and Sunshine. Fucking, yes. he shows up in Avengers Endgame. That guy's great. He's very good. Um, so yeah, He's so in Bolt like, Train, like we alluded to earlier, you watch Slam Dance Festival shorts. Any highlights you want to mention here, real quick? Hold on, real fast. Can we take a brief break, yeah, real sure. fast? We'll take a break. Uh, right. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. And we're back talking Slam Dance Festival shorts. Uh, where'd you see this stuff? Uh, I got some screeners uh, for uh, Film Threat. I write for Film Threat, so I was able to get a couple screeners. Watched a couple of the shorts from Slam Dance. I watched one called Dosh, uh, which is a really interesting film um, about a uh, a Indian woman uh, uh, and who's hard of hearing. And it's it's a it's a really good one. Definitely check out that when it comes around. And then also um, uh, one called Oh my, I'm spacing on the other one and my letterbox is down. Um, but I, I quite enjoyed both of those. Um, yeah. And uh, I still have one left to watch that I got to check out the legend of El Cucuy, yeah. uh, which is a, uh, you know, a about immigrants and spookiness and uh, a boogeyman, the Cucuy, which um, people might know as a bit uh, similar to a boogeyman type character who gets misbehaving little kids so like i had a, fun with these like a skinwalker nope <laughs> oh, <laughs> nope okay. nope like a boogeyman like a chupacabra <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> like a like a he does that? not suck on any goats <laughs> that's the chupacabra is the goat sucker what's the one that's um uh wendigo like a wendigo Wendigo's? Uh, not really. Like it's it's like I mean it's you know it's it's not ex- when, it's the movie's interpretation of it too. It's it's not he's he's muscle. He's he's like a in the movie he's like a rancher, um. But yeah, nice, nice. he's like That's a spooky cool. ghost kind of guy. You know, he's it's not like a you know it's uh it's it's yeah it's not like a Bigfoot it's or anything like that. Gotcha. So uh, can we look forward to a write-up on Film Threat about those? Yes. Keep keep an eye out on Film Threat. My full review for both of those should be dropping soon. 
Nice, very cool. Um, and something we both checked out, I think, what is this, like punishment for me and for you? So we just kind of like double mm-hmm. double haymaker each other in the face with this movie? Yes, <laughs> you, you gave it to me first, and then I was like, because I lost summer movie wager uh so you were like ha 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 i'll be gracious to you and give you one of the famously (laughs) worst movies ever made and i was like cool great i thought you were gonna like take this opportunity because i was looking like i was gonna win for a while i'm gonna take this opportunity to make damien watch a movie that i love that he hasn't seen yet and you were like i'm gonna take this opportunity to fuck Derek over (laughs) and so i was like cool when i win something i'm gonna get damien back for that so uh i won our our guessing game for yes. uh, favorite 2023 <laughs> movies, and I was like, "All right, we're we're in this together now, buddy." <laughs> we are. Um, so this is this is the the snowman, the snowman. I believe they talk about this on Blank Check. I, I believe one of them was assigned it by the producer of the show. Um, this is by the director ben. of yeah, uh, director uh, Thomas Alfredson who did Let the Right One In 2008, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy in 2011, and came back for another uh, another detective thing. He combined his uh, George Royal efforts, the spy genre and the horror genre, and uh, this is the result of that, that mashup. <laughs> Apparently, this this movie, this, The Snowman, is based off a, a series of detective novels, a series of uh, Swedish detect- detective novels of Inspector Harry Hole. Apparently, it's supposed to be Harry Hole. Harry Hole or something like that. Not, not supposed to be Harry, Harry Hole. Hole. Harry Hole. But he, he pronounces it Harry. Well, Harry a more Hole. literal translation would be Harry Hill. But they were like, sure. "Fuck it, why not call him Harry Hole?" This. Yes. Yeah, this, so this is like the least dumb thing about this movie, too. The least dumb thing. Yeah. <laughs> if that was the worst thing, it would still be like whatever. But it's like. <laughs> such a mess. Well, yeah, we'll get into the specifics, but I just want to set it up here because we have, like I said, Thomas Elverson, competent director. You have a screenplay by Peter Staugen. Um, but the biggest biggest uh, surprise here is that it is edited by Thelma Schoonmaker, who is obviously Mr. Scorsese's uh, you know, editor for many of his movies, if not all of them. Um, the thing about um, – I was watching a, a, a – video essay on her and about editing in general and how I think we talked about this during the uh, best of the year show where you if you do your job correctly whether it's cinematography or editing or sound design if you do it right you're not really noticed at all right um if you go back and watch the departed there's a scene where i think it's one of the first times you're introduced to uh jack nicholson's character and if you watch it he's smoking a cigarette and he's in the dark and he's in the shadow and once he steps out of the shadow there's no evidence of him ever smoking a cigarette just three seconds before. And normally, you know, that's not noticed because you're watching the acting, you're watching, listening to the sound design, and you're, you're, you're distracted enough so that those things don't really make a difference. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> when, you are in, when you have a movie like this, like The Snowman, that is pretty bad, you know, bad, bad script-wise, bad, um, you know, just just awful overall uh those things do get picked up on and i'm curious if if that sort of her editing style did you pick up on those those moments where you have a character like mid mid cigarette smoking or mid eating or mid doing something and then you cut to another shot and they're not doing that thing anymore okay so there is <laughs> there's a lot here because and i want to defend selma shoemaker a little bit on this I and as well as I everyone am. else involved in this yeah. movie um because this is a movie that the reason it's like this is because 
they had 30 days to make this movie. Yeah. And they were unable to shoot about 15 about 15% of the script, 10 to 15% of the script according right. to the director. Right. Which means that the editor uh had to kind of cobble things together. And like the cuts are bad and jarring both in on the micro and macro level. Yes. Uh but it's just like if you don't have the things to edit together, there's not a lot you can do. And also when you don't have the completed scenes, it's like pulling a thread in a sweater, right? Because yeah. this, if you don't have this scene, then it affects another scene here. So you have to pull that scene out, which affects another scene earlier in the movie. And it becomes this like incomplete Frankenstein of a thing. And so it's just, and it's, it's not just that too. It's stuff like, you know, um, this is one of the last, you know, roles where we saw Val Kilmer, uh, and he because this was after he'd had his surgery, so there's a lot of editing around that. Um, where like a lot of times he'll be, yeah, he'll be um, talking to someone and he'll be ADR'd, but then there'll be times where it's just like, you know, from behind the back of his head, and you know, someone else is doing the ADR because it's hard. They don't have the shot of him yeah. talking. It's not just him. There's a lot of ADR in the movie. Where there'll be like two characters having a conversation, and because they weren't able to finish the scene or something, they'll have to like ADR a shot reverse shot where you don't see their mouths moving because they don't actually have that scene. So she was, you know, trying to stitch something together that wasn't a complete thing. So, you know. Yeah. Um, and then it's just all these moments of like, you know, Harry, Harry Hule uh, is this drunkard. I uh, never really see him drink. You see him pass out a lot. Uh, you see him wake up in <laughs> in a lot of different places where it's like, is he, how is he alive? How is he alive after sleeping outside all night? Um, just a lot of scenes of that. Um, I forget which podcast it is, but they do this uh, segment called like Wig Watch where you, you're, they'll always point out like, oh, that's a, that's a bad wig, bad wig. Uh, Miss Rebecca Ferguson was tasked with wearing a terrible wig in this movie. Um, so, you know, she's a great actress, but again, you know, great, great actress, great uh, actor, Mr. Fassbender. Charlotte Greensboro, I, I liked in the things I've seen her in. J.K. Simmons has uh, just a befuddling accent throughout this movie, very befuddling person because he takes, takes people's photos for no discernment more reason um yeah yeah and he just disappears he just is gone he just, just gone. shows up and he just disappears it like so many plots and characters yeah just vanish and like you said it's it's a it's a product and it's a result of a rushed production timeline but it's also a result of i have to imagine a result of them doing the seventh book in the series first so you're not establishing like harry as well, a person I mean that does like for mystery novels and stuff like that that are like super long running. That's not super out of the ordinary. Like when they did the Jack Reacher movies, it was based on like the sixth yeah. one or something like that. And now they're doing um, the show so, like Out of yeah. Order Two, right? I think. I I don't I I I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. <laughs> Last year I watched Dracula 3000, which ha probably had similar production issues where that movie just ends. Um, this movie doesn't like just end out of nowhere like that movie it, does but kind it kind of does. does it kind of does it kind of <laughs> does like he gets his finger cut off um fighting with the bad guy in a very um in a very uh, uh lady not lady with the dragon tattoo uh woman 
girl the dragon tattoo sorry girl the dra- girl the dragon tattoo sort of ending with um the detective fighting off the uh the killer at the end in uh in this in the snowman harry hule uh gets his pointer figure chopped off in the during the scuffle um the last thing you see of him see of him is in the detective office whatever you want to call it, the police station um and they're talking about a new case and harry hole uh is listening in and he looks up to the camera and puts his finger he puts his fake his fake prosthetic finger up in the air and says I'll take it <laughs> it's just like okay but <laughs> it's, yeah, very... it's like 30 seconds uh, after the guy just falls yeah. to the ice for no reason and then yes. that happens and then the movie just hard cuts to the end like yes. credits and you're like it's okay. it's a disaster mess up I, there's a really great video essay by folding ideas on the the movie that I would really recommend anybody who's more interested uh, check out because he really breaks down what happened with the production of the movie and just the insanity and like he tried he he watched it like 10 times to try and piece together what was even happening uh because and you probably need to watch it that many times to understand because like this movie just things just happen and then just other things happen you, you just like there's no rhyme or reason like there's no plot to follow characters just show up and they leave and this other character shows up and then like murder victims are mentioned and then never mentioned again. And then someone gets killed and you're like, what, how did that happen? It's, it's, it's absolute nonsense. This movie. It is. It really is. So, but you know, we've seen, we've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> we've gone through the, yeah. we, we've gone through the, um, the trials and tribulations and the, uh, we've, we've gone through the, um, what do you call that? What's what I'm trying to think of? We've gone through the, uh, whatever it's called, and come out the other side. <laughs> come through the, the gauntlet? The gauntlet, thank you. We've gone through the gauntlet. We've okay. come out the other side. One of the worst movies ever made. Cool, now we've seen it. <laughs> yep. So we can check that one off All your list. fault. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> uh, so that was The Snowman. I saw another movie. Uh, takes place in the snow. Um, By the way, Damien, I think yes, I think you need to like, like, I don't think you understand the concept of going back and forth. It's not because you, you're like, let's. I'll do five movies in a row. And then Derek will do five in a row. That's not going back and forth. But anyway, continue. Okay. Society of the Snow <laughs> is another um, adaptation of the accident in the Andes. The uh, the I didn't know this, but they were Uruguayan. I always thought they were um, Argentinian or Chilean. Uh, I always called them Chilean uh, football team, but they are a Uruguayan rugby team. They were never... I don't think they ever played a, a football or soccer, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they, they were might at some point in their lives. They, they probably they, did. They may have, they may haps, but uh, at this point they are a rugby team and they're going to, I'm not sure where they're going to actually they never explain really where they're, where they're going to. I'm, I'm assuming another, a, uh, a match somewhere in, uh, in Chile. Uh, but the plane very quickly crashes. The Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 from October 13th, 1972. Um, did you see the uh, the a live movie about this about this tragedy? I did not. No. Do Do you know the basic uh, story? The basic basic synopsis. Synopsis? I I know that it's like cannibalism and stuff. <laughs> cannibalism and stuff yeah that the, the pretty much that's all up. i know really yeah. <laughs> um they do a weird thing or they've been doing a weird thing where they'll have on uh last podcast on the left which is one of the best um true crime podcasts out there for my money which is zero dollars but uh still pretty good um they did what did they do earlier in the year that that sort of lined up with another big movie that was coming out they did a very long series on something else that that coincided with a movie coming out I forget what it was, but anyways, 
They did uh, a two podcast uh, series on this just recently. So I know I was very, very familiar with the story and sort of the uh, <clears throat> tidbits and the, the details that then that did not get included in this movie. So I was like, OK, some of that stuff was in there. Some of the stuff wasn't. But yeah, incredible. Like we were talking before about uh, incredible sound design, incredible uh, Foley work and incredible um, ADRing. Uh, this this movie is is very good. Very good from that from that respect. They did a interview with the. Um, with the sound designer of this movie. Let me see if I can pull them up real quick from uh, from Letterboxd. Um, cinematographer, art direction, composer, Michael... Is that Michael Giacchino? Oh, yeah, it is. Your, your, your guy, Giacchino, did the uh, score the guy, for the movie. guy, my boy. Your boy, yes. Giacchino, did the score for this movie. <clears throat> but I believe they talked to the sound designers Mark Ortis and Oriol Tricago. Um, they, they actually went there and sort of scoped it out and, uh, you know, talked about how the sound, how, how that area sounded. Because they're basically in like uh, a crater in the Andes. So any direction they went to, they had to climb very, very high to just to get anywhere out of the, uh, the crash zone there. Um, yeah. Fantastic acting. Fantastic. Um, you know, if you, if you're one of these people that's like, Oh wow. If you could stomach, um, you know, very good, uh, makeup work and very good prosthetic work and very good, uh, you know, that, that sort of special effects of, you know, bones breaking and people being, uh, dehydrated and looking like shit and just all that kind of stuff. Uh, definitely appreciate it on that level. So yeah, highly, highly recommend uh, society of the snow. I believe it's streaming now on the old Netflix over there. Speaking of. Yeah. J.A. Bayana did it. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Of, uh, yes, he did many, many movies. I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, Jurassic, Jurassic World? World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> sure. Of that. Uh, I did the impossible, bad movie, but <laughs> I did the impossible in 2012, which I heard was very good. A very good early um, Tom Holland uh, featured in that. Also did the orphanage in 2007, which I, I believe is what most, most people would be uh, familiar with him of um, did some rings of power. Apparently did some rings of power um, episodes. He was, I, yeah, he was one of the guys behind that show. I think he was like the head writer yeah. Runner, something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that was very good. Um, yeah, so why don't we uh, go back backwards <laughs> to what we were going to do, we're planning to do uh, at first so we can sort of get, get our predictions in for um, the 23rd, next Tuesday is when they're going to announce the Oscars for for this year. Um, do you have any 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 predictions you think are going to be a surprise that are going to be left out? Uh, let's start with uh, Supporting Actor. Um, Charles Melton is, you know, far and away the biggest lead for, for his his work in May-December. You also have possibly uh, Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, Ryan Gosling for Barbie. Um, what do you think of Robert Downey Jr. Uh, winning, uh, being nominated, but especially winning the award for that? I think that's a pretty solid bet. Like, I don't think it's, like, wrapped up. I mean, he's definitely going to get nominated. I think that, you know, that's probably where the smart money is, though, on the winner. Yeah. But like I think it's it's him and Gosling. I think it's going to come down to that. Him and Gosling, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't know as far as like you know you have, for this stuff you have to talk about like them campaigning and them them putting themselves out there and getting their face in front of the the voters. You know, I think uh, RDJ has done that work and Ryan Gosling has also done that work. I'm not sure if Sterling King Brown or Charles Melton have done that work. So, it'd be very interesting to see from that from that perspective. Um, Best Supporting Actress, uh, I would say Divine Joy Randolph is, is the runaway favorite for this award. Um, also could be Julianne Moore for May-December. Do you think Julianne Moore is going to go in the Best Supporting uh, category, not 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 Best Actress, do you think? Uh, 
I I guess so. Yeah, prob- probably. Honestly, um, I don't know. I don't think she'll make it though. I don't honestly. Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she gets in. To be honest, I think it is probably Divine Joy Randolph's uh, award to lose. But I don't yeah. know if uh, I think you know. Um, I don't think she makes it in. There's some yeah. heavy hitters this year. There are, and just for just for conversation's sake, that we also have, um, you know, Rachel McAdams going probably going to be in there for Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret Emily Bunt for Oppenheimer. I hope and, she wins. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really nice, right? Um, Penelope Cruz is also. Yeah, she was so gonna, good. Yeah, just to, just to round out the category, Penelope Cruz would probably be the fifth, the fifth uh, spot in there, for that. Uh, let's go to best actor. Uh, it's Killian Murphy. It's Killian Murphy. Sorry, it's just Killian Murphy. It just is. <laughs> Paul Giamatti might get it right. Maybe, maybe Paul Giamatti. It's, it's Giamatti. Two- Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright could be. Yeah, you're correct. I haven't actually haven't seen that movie yeah. yet. The uh, American Fiction. I haven't seen that yet. Um, Andrew Scott's in the conversation, but I, mm-hmm. I honestly think, man, it's a it's a two horse race between uh, Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti at this point. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think Jeffrey Wright is a dark horse, and you'll yeah. probably have like DiCaprio and Cooper get nominated. Um, yeah. Um, and then just around the category, Teo Liu is probably or Teo Teo Yu uh, for Past Lives, and Zach Efron for The Iron Claw will probably round out the category there. We think. I was thinking. I would just said uh, DiCaprio and Cooper probably. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but I but, mean, I would like to yeah. see. I would like to see. Um. Efron, probably more than probably more than Cooper. Yeah. I don't know if that's realistic. Yeah, I, I always forget about Cooper. Like we <laughs> we wrote him off so so harshly uh, a little while ago. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, that guy, that guy that tried <laughs> tried his best to get in there. Um, <laughs> best actress, uh, Lily Gladstone. Moving on, <laughs> right? I mean, this like Lily Gladstone is, is great, but like this this is a stacked year. Right, you know, you've got Gladstone, you've got Sandra Huller, uh, you got Margot Robbie, obviously, and Barbie. Emma Stone is yes. making waves. I think Emma Stone might be a real contender. Yes. Uh, you know, we mentioned speaking of uh, Maestro, Harry Mulligan. Yes. Uh, and of course, you've got people like Greta Lee and yes. uh, Natalie Portman. Yes. Uh, so, it'll be a tough year. It's gonna be a tough year. I just think you know you have that. Um whatever you want to call it, white guilt of, uh, you know, we have to <laughs> honor the uh, yeah. indigenous uh, Native American here. Uh, for wrong or right, you know, that's that's probably what a lot of voters are thinking. Um, let's go to director. Um, big directors we have, obviously, Mr. Christopher Nolan. That's probably his award to lose, if I was going to say. One guy just going to get it. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos is probably in the running there as well, second, second billing there. Um, Greta Gerwig is is has her been putting her face out there a lot um, in interviews and things like that. Um, possibly Hayao Miyazaki for Boy in the Heron. I could see that getting in there. And then of course Mr. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, what, what do you think for the top two right there? Uh, Scorsese and Nolan. Do you think? I mean this. Yeah, I think probably this is this is tough because it's like so many auteurs. You know, made yeah. movies this year, they right? Really uh, so yeah. many of those those guys that the Academy loves, you know. So like, I think it's probably Nolan's here, but I mean, they might give it to like Scorsese. Yeah, Greta Gerwig uh, has a shot. Alexander Payne, I don't know if you mentioned him. I think has a pretty good shot as well. Did and then Jonathan Glazer. Jonathan Glazer. Yeah, Jonathan yeah. Glazer as well. I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, Alexander Maybe Payne. Maybe even Justine Triette, you know. Justine Triette, yep. Um, yes, uh, uh, Alexander Payne, you're right. I forgot about him. Very possible for him to get in there with the uh, Paul Giamatti and Divine jo- Joy Randolph love there. We'll probably let him get in there with that. Uh, then uh, best mm-hmm. picture. So just uh, give me a yes or no <laughs> if you think. So we got we got uh, you know okay. the 10, 10 slotted year right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. here we go. Here we go for what we think. Past lives. Uh yes. Poor things. Yes. The boy Definitely. and the heron. Yes. The boy and the heron. Probably not. Unfortunately, I would put it in there, but I don't think it's gonna make it. Kills with the flower moon. Uh, yes, big yes. Barbie. Uh, yes. It's, but uh, there have been some reporting that it's like people are souring on Barbie, but I think it'll make it. Yeah. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall. Like you said, uh, Sandra Huller could get in there for Best Actress, and uh, and Justine Trent could get in there for Best uh, best Director. Yeah, this is a lock. This is, you know, the Palme d'Or always gets uh, a Best Picture nom. True, true, true. Uh, Oppenheimer. Yes, obviously. This is the front runner for winning. Yes, uh, the holdovers. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, I think we have one more slot. Uh, what do you think about May, December? No, I don't think so. No? Okay. Did you, is that, t- no. I, I, there's like, I think, okay, there's, there's a few three, more I think that okay. have a pretty good shot. Maestro, obviously, could get in there. I don't think so. I uh, huh? actually maybe maybe yeah, yeah I yeah, could yeah, see yeah. it. <laughs> uh, well, zone of interest I think is is obviously that's getting possible. In. Yep. Uh, I think I think American fiction has a pretty good shot. That's the only one. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen zone of interest, but American fiction I think is pretty good shot. And I think also I think Saltburn might be a dark horse to get in there in that like nine or ten slot. Could honestly, be. could be. Yeah. Um, it's really building up a lot of momentum. Honestly. Like with this second put, like you know, with it getting out on coming out and streaming, uh, a lot of people are able to see it uh, that didn't see it in theaters. So it's like getting its second bump, you know. So I, yeah, that's my that's my like that's my uh, you know tin foil hat pick is, is Saltburn. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm just looking through. Um, do you want to do uh, international? Or you want to move on to our top? Uh, what are we doing here? Most anticipated films. Let's go to anticipated films because I have um, no idea what's even going to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so yeah, this was probably um, we talked about um, tough lists to make. This was probably one of the toughest lists I've ever had to make on the show, <laughs> honestly, because um, <laughs> there are so many things that are coming out that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, a lot of uh, you know genre stuff and also prestige stuff. So I got a mix of all that, and I have a very hefty. Uh, <laughs> honorable mention list so let's get uh yeah let's get going here um my number 10 i mentioned it before for um sundance stuff coming out of there this is rose glasses uh sophomore effort um love lies bleeding with kristen stewart katie o'brien and jenna malone very much look- looking forward to that okay i have heard very little about this but you know it might be one that kind of surprises me um but yeah, yeah. I, I love romantic thrillers. So, you know, A24 is doing it, yeah. I guess. So excited yeah. for it. It's it's gay. It's a uh, be gay, do crime. The movie. <laughs> I mean, that's be gay, do crime. And Kristen Stewart, like, you know, what more could what more do you need? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, what is your number 10 most expensive thing of 2024? 
my number 10 is Gladiator 2. Uh, yes. Yeah, you know, Indeed. I mean, it's like, it's like <laughs> do we need a Gladiator 2? No. No. But, I mean, Ridley, Ridley, like, and that's why it's number 10, right? Yeah. Uh, but I love Gladiator. Ridley Scott is obviously, he's an old guy who's still doing it. And then, like, looking at the cast list for this thing, you know, you've got Paul Mescal, obviously, but you've also got Denzel, Denzel yeah. Sr., you know? obviously uh and then you've got pedro pascal like i'm like this could be good this could be good you know i don't know be, yeah. if it's gonna be good but it could be good so <laughs> I, I i was like you know i like it was like i kept like going back and forth like is it gonna be on my list no and i was like you know fuck, i'll put it at 10 I'll, I'll kick i'll kick one off uh that i also was excited for but yeah Gladiator, untitled Gladiator sequel. This is official. <laughs> <laughs> this is officially known at the moment. I know, right? It's very strange. Uh, let me see. Uh, okay, that was your number ten. My number nine is uh, one you're gonna you're gonna mock and make fun of because uh, it is a sophomore effort from Jane Schoenbrunn. Schoenbrunn. Um, her first movie is very similar to one you. Uh, you, I think you made it through, but you were like, "Don't ever, don't ever assign me that again." Uh, it's, so, Joan, Jane Schoenberg directed a movie called "We're All Going to the World's Fair," and "We're All Going to the World's Fair" is very, very similar to um, <clears throat> Skinner Rink. It's it's a very lo-fi, extremely low-budget um, uh, psychological thriller horror movie. Um, so, this is her. The movie that I'm talking about now is called I Saw the TV Glow. This is debuting at the Sundance Film Festival. Um, it's got Justice Smith, who you might know from Dozens of Dragons, Honor Mug Thieves, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Um, this also has Bridget Lundy Payne and Daniel Deadweiler. So very interesting uh, group of folks in that. And also Mr. Fred Durst, apparently. <laughs> That's the first time I'm seeing the cast list. Um, so yeah. Very, very cool. I couldn't can't wait to see what this is. The plot is just two teenagers bond over their love of a television series. After it is mysteriously canceled, their reality begins to blur. So there's yes. more in that description than all of Skin and Rink. So. <laughs> I mean, just to, yeah, just to prep you for what this movie is and what um, we're all going to the words fair is, uh, just to prep you if you're going to watch that, be prepared for uh, some similar pacing as to Skin and Rink. Okay. Well, yes. all right. Thank you for thank you for the warning. <laughs> You're welcome. What is your number nine? My number nine is one that I actually just saw the trailer for last night, and I was like, "Wait a minute, this seems interesting." Have you heard of Out of Darkness? Which is like, we, I, you were just like, Derek, what's yours? I think you just peace out. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, have you heard of Out of Darkness? I have not. Okay, so this is. It's a horror movie, but it's set in like the Paleolithic era, like like forty five thousand years ago. So it's just like cavemen like running around, like early like Homo sapiens or whatever running around, and but it's like a straight up horror movie. Uh, and I'm like, that is an interesting enough concept for me to be very invested. Um, so it looks like a good, cool indie horror film that is unlike anything I've seen before, and I'm very interested to see what they do with it. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, does this have like a premiere date? Is this at Sundance? It is. I, I think it's got a premiere date for later in the year. I know that it's, I think it's going to come out in February. It just said winter in the trailer that I saw last night. 
Uh, so coming out in a couple months, I think, I think February is when it is due to drop. Uh, I know it's got an official British release date. All right, very cool. I'll be checking that out. Um, my number eight is something that I've been looking forward to for, for a while. I've heard about it. Um, I think Sean Fantasy has this on his list for most anticipated things uh, for this year as well. Um, he was talking about how this uh, this artist that the movie is about uh, is very meaningful to him uh, because he saw uh, this person uh, sort of break out. One of, he saw one of her first performances in the Bronx in, in Manhattan. Um, this is Back to Black. This is the uh, Amy Winehouse uh, biopic uh, coming out this year. Um uh, See Marissa Abella. I'm not sure who that is, um, but she's was she was in industry. Uh, she's playing the titular role of uh, Amy Winehouse. Let's see if I can pull up a picture of her. Let's see if I know. Okay, yeah, I've seen her in yeah industry. Uh, this also stars Jack O'Connell and Eddie Marzin. Uh, so yeah, she'll be coming out sometime this year, debuting at uh, Sundance Film Festival again. Uh, so it looks like it has a May 10th release from Focus Fe- Focus Features. So yeah, definitely looking okay. forward to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of music biopics, um, yeah. so I don't know. I I'll watch it probably, but I don't know. Those, this this genre <laughs> yeah. of movies is is not is not my favorite. <laughs> not your favorite, yeah. I know. Uh, what's your number eight? My number eight. I'm guessing it's going to be higher on your list because it was. Well, I, I I know it was your number one last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my number <laughs> my number eight is. Dune Part Two. Oh yeah, much higher. Uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, so I should, yep. Do you want me to hold off yeah. on talking about this one? Yeah, we'll talk about it together right, later. All right, on. I'll put yep. a pin in it. Put that pin in it. Yep. Uh, put it. Put a yeah. Put it. But I just put pin in that thing. Um, my okay. number seven is another one or another movie with uh, Miss Miss Zendaya called Challengers. Uh, this is the newest. And maybe maybe you put a pin in this one. Maybe you do that. Oh, you have this higher. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Put a pin in it right next to, right up next to Dune. You know, <laughs> right. put a pin. They'll be a on pin. the wall together. Yeah. Uh, what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, which is right. an animated, it's like an anime-inspired movie about Helm Hammerhand. So it's set a few hundred years before Lord of the Rings, uh, Helm Hammerhand, of course, is the person who Helm's Deep is named after. So, like, yeah, this is a fucking animated, badass Lord of the Rings movie with these Rohan guys. Like, why would I not be ex- super excited for that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it only got made so that they could New Line could keep the theatrical rights to yes. Lord of the Rings movies. Yes, but yes. you know that's cool. <laughs> like, whatever. Like, if we get some good good stuff out of it at the theater, I'm still excited for it. Um, let's see. Does this have a director attached? Anything like that? Yeah, it's it's uh it's let's see here. Um Kenji uh Kamayaya. Um, gotcha. Kamayaya. Kamayaya. Okay. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> so he's somebody who's like done some ghost in the shell stuff, I guess. Uh so yeah, somebody who is actually an anime director is doing this, which is pretty rad. Yeah. Uh and you know who is going to be play uh playing uh Helm Hammerhand? Who's that? I'll give you a clue. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. It's, it's Brian Cox. Oh, okay. Well, you got to do the grizzly. Fuck you. Fuck off. Yo. No, it's fuck off. Not fuck you. It's a fuck off. <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen that much of the show, so yeah. yeah I'm like, yeah. yeah he's, he seems like a guy who would be from Rohan. Like that checks out. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, harkening back to his um, his his days in Gladiator. Yeah, very cool. 
right? Yeah. Like, uh, Brian Cox is Gladiator. Yes, Brian Cox was in Gladiator. Yep. Uh, oh, was, was it? Wait, well, who is he in Gladiator? He was the guy. He was the guy. He was Mr. Yeah, he was. Brian. Guy. Let me see. Yeah, he was Guy. Uh, Wasn't he? Yes. What? No, you're thinking of Troy. You're thinking of fucking Troy. Oh, I'm thinking of Troy. Okay, yeah, another sword and sandals fucking thing. He's Agamemnon. Yeah. Agamemnon, yes, of course. <laughs> you're, thinking of, you're thinking of Zodiac. <laughs> uh, let's see. So my, that was your number seven. My number six is my first like mm-hmm. big, just dumb genre action thing from David Leach. This is The Fall Guy. Um, the stars Ryan Gosling, Emily Blunt, Winston Duke, and Aether Taylor, Aether, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and uh, uh, Hannah Winningham is also in this, and Stephanie Shu is also in this. Oh, very cool. Uh, so yeah, this is just a uh, a crazy shoot 'em up. You know, it's that um, I think the actual actor gets kidnapped, and the the fall guy, the uh, stuntman, has to go rescue him. So yeah, another another kind of you know dumb, dumb action thing, dumb action shoot 'em up. But uh, be very excited to see this. I think uh, I think this will this you know shows a lot of uh, Ryan Gosling's range as being like you know action guy, but comedic guy, and you know, also yeah those two things at the same time should be very cool. <laughs> yeah, I think so. uh, yeah, did David Leach did I mean I'm, I'll see anything with Gosling. Did yeah. did Leach did he do the Deadpool movies? No? Uh, do, 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 did he do Deadpool? No. I, I, sorry, yeah, he did De- okay. Deadpool 2, but just that one, okay. apparently. Okay. <laughs> he did Fast and the Furious well, Hobbs and Shaw, and he did The Bullet Train, and Atomic Blonde, and okay. he did the first, he did the first John Wick, but it was uncredited, co-directed with Sean, with Chad uh, Stahelski. Huh, interesting. Yeah, so. Yes. Well, that leads perfectly into my number six, which yes. is a... Uh, uh, Deadpool three. Uh, yes, so yeah, <laughs> I mean this is yeah this is the only uh this twenty twenty uh four is gonna be rough for superhero films. Yeah. Uh, nothing from D- uh DC proper except for Joker. Fale adieu. Yep. Uh, nothing from Marvel except for this one. So yeah, I mean I like the first two Deadpool movies. They're not like my absolute favorite, but I like them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so. I'm excited to see. Like, it's gonna be. I can need something, you know. I need some Marvel, uh, so <laughs> be nice to see this. This is, um, you know, I'm just mimicking what a lot of people have said. Um, Sean Fantasy has said this. Uh, this is the last. Um, it's the last best hope of of Marvel <laughs> right now for the MCU. <laughs> I know. I know you don't agree with the uh, the state of the MCU, but uh, for a lot of people, I think this is the last one. I think that if this doesn't do well, well, Damien, you hate it or love it. I mean, there's no in between for you. So when it comes to Marvel movies, I don't think you can uh, uh, objectively or, or yeah, you can't you can't subjectively look at this and say yeah they're doing fine. No, <laughs> from mes- any any metric you look at, money wise, popularity wise, uh, Rotten Tomatoes wise, uh, the MCU isn't the worst spot it's ever been. I don't. I just. I don't know how you can look at sure. the situation and be like that's not the case. Well, I'm sure. Well, that's not response to what I'm saying at all. But okay, sure. But uh, I was just saying you don't think anything is ever just okay. You just love it or you hate it with the MCU, but. Like, I mean, sure, they're at their lowest point, but, like, they're still making hundreds of millions of dollars on every movie they put out, and, yeah. Uh, not true. 
Not true. <laughs> I think they break. I think it I is true. It is true. They've Look it up. broken even on many of their projects that they released so far. The Marvels did not make its money back uh, after marketing and all of that stuff. They, I would be surprised if they were in the green with that one. Um, what was the one after that or before that? Um, that that Quantumania did not okay. make its money back. They're still okay. They're still massively humongous popular movies, even when like they're at their lowest. But that was not all what I was saying. But it, we don't need to get into this debate no, again. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, right. I am excited for this one. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, so that was your number six. My number five is that a movie. Was my number six. Is a movie I don't uh, think we've ever talked about. I have just heard about it, but it sounds very, very uh, interesting. It's called Abigail. It is a upcoming American monster horror film directed by Matt Bellini Olfen. Uh, director of uh, shorts for the for the VHS series, he did a movie called Southbound, which is heard is very good. Uh, so yeah, it's starring M- M- Melissa Barrera as Joey, who was famously uh, taken off the Scream franchise. Uh, Alicia Ware, uh, Dan Stevens, uh, Catherine Newton is in this. Uh, so yeah, should be pretty good. Should be one of those uh, sort of schlocky but uh, elevated horror things in April of this year. April nineteenth is its release date. Okay. Yeah. Interested for this one. Apparently, it's a, based on the reimagining of the 1936 Dracula's daughter. So, bring that back the uh, the monster universe, baby. Bring back the uh, the dark universe, <laughs> baby. Let's do it. <laughs> They're trying. They're trying the hardest to bring that thing yeah, back. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like. I mean. Like. Listen. Everyone knows how popular the Dark Universe was and how yeah. it destroyed Marvel and <laughs> destroyed <laughs> Marvel. It's a franchise. What? Yeah. Like you know. You, I mean, we were just talking about how how pathetic Marvel is. It's nothing compared to the Dark Universe. <laughs> sure. Sure. What is your number five, sir? So there's they're putting out great movies every year that every are single year financial are. and critical successes. Dracula yeah, Untold. That, that universe. Woo. <laughs> What's your number five, sir? My number five is a sequel to one of my favorite movies of all time. That is Inside Out 2. We know very little about this movie uh, other than that. Like We just got the teaser trailer. Uh, but yeah, I love Inside Out 1. Uh, I'm a really big Pixar fan. Um, despite the fact that they have not done well financially, you know, believe it or not, I still like movies that do uh, from studios that are you know, fallen on harder times than they used to. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, I am, I am, I am very excited for this one to see where they go with this because the first one's so good. It's a movie that always makes me cry. So down to see what they do for Inside Out too. Yeah, this this movie is make or break for for Pixar. They are. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Yeah. I had to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be interested. I I I think I saw this like a couple years after it came out. I wasn't. Uh, was like 2012 i think 20, 2013 was the first one 2015 2015 yeah what yeah one of the best uh of those i've seen you know they they always seem to um so you know this they all joke of like that's what pixar does of what if emotions had what if emotions were people you know what if emotions had feelings what if uh the elements had feelings you know so yeah they've, they've had some pretty good track record of of sequels you know pixar has uh not counting monsters university and things like that but uh, yeah, be interested to see how this does. Yeah, and then they've added Maya Hawk as anxiety, so I think that's pretty <laughs> interesting. <laughs> nice. Uh, so that was your number five. Number, number four is another sort of genre pick, another sort of uh, 
you know, popular genre thing from A24. I have Alex Garland's uh, Civil War, which I don't, I'm very interested to see what this is going to be. I'd be very interested to see uh, how it's received because it's, you know, I don't, I, I like political movies. I like movies that wear their politics on their sleeve. But just from the preview, this seems like it's it's very on the nose. You know, I think uh, a lot of discussion around America these days is like you're either with them with with Trump or you're not. You're, you're either with, um, you know, the First Amendment, Second Amendment. You're either with the Constitution or you're, or you're not. Um, I'd be very interested to see again a follow up to Men, which was not well received by a lot of people. Um, so yeah, uh, be very interested to see how this how this goes down for a lot of people. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, this one almost was on my list. It's it's in my honorable mentions. I'm a big fan of Alex Garland. Generally, um, I really didn't like Men, but yeah. um, I like a lot of his sci-fi stuff. He's, I think, one of our greatest working writers. Uh, so with that all in mind, um, I'm I'm excited for this one for sure. Yes, sir. Uh, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is another one in a franchise, and that is... Alien Romulus, um, which is, you know, done by uh, Fede Alvarez, who uh, did the Evil Dead remake. So uh, which I'm a big fan of. He also did uh, fan or did uh, Don't Breathe, which I know a lot of people like quite a bit. So, yeah, we're getting back to the Alien universe, uh, a more kind of traditional movie. I'm really, really curious to see what this is, because we don't know pretty much anything about it other than, yeah, the Evil Dead guy is making (laughs) Uh, an alien movie, and that's enough for me. I'm very fucking down. I've loved most of the alien films. <laughs> yeah, they they. I went back. I was gonna and, say all, but I was like, ooh, Covenant eh, sucks. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> part of part of uh, signing up for and being a fan of the uh, Blank Check, they did like a whole uh, Patreon exclusive run of all of the alien movies, and some of my favorite discussions they've had on that show were of Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm a fan of, of directors taking, um, uh, taking chances. I love, you know, very philosophical movies. I love that. I loved, uh, alien, uh, Prometheus or I love Prometheus, loved alien covenant just because, you know, it's really Scott taking, taking shots, taking chances, uh, really exploring that universe. And, uh, yeah, I'll be very interested to see, you know, cause again, it could go any, any direction. Like you said, we don't know very much about this. Do we even know when it takes place in the timeline? I don't, I think, don't so, right? think so. And what's interesting is, is like, yeah, there's also an unrelated TV show coming out next year, allegedly, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think I think. Well, let me see. I'm going to look it up. Sure. Uh, but I don't this, think we know when Romulus is set. Yeah. Um, Kaylee Spaney is, is the lead in this. We just saw her playing Priscilla in, in Priscilla. So that's one of those things, too. Of like, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's going to be on your list later, but yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what I'm what I'm gonna think of uh, of uh, Furiosa because I feel like you know uh, Anya Taylor Joy is just one of those people that traditionally aren't in movies like that. You know, you never really saw like Grace Kelly in a sword and sandals thing like that. I mean, you saw you know Cleopatra had uh, what's her face in it, but traditionally you don't you know people like Anya Taylor Joy or Kaylee Spaney don't really go go for roles like that. You know. Well, it's interesting because I was having a conversation with somebody at work today about this because I had just watched my first Audrey Hepburn movie, which we'll probably talk about in Letterboxd stuff. Yep. Um, but uh, I was like, somebody was saying like, like, oh yeah, like the new Audrey Hepburn is like Anya Taylor-Joy. And I was like, kind of like, I feel like 
Anya Taylor-Joy can do the Audrey Hepburn thing, but Audrey Hepburn couldn't do, like, Furiosa, whereas I believe right. Anya Taylor-Joy can do Furiosa. Yeah, I mean, she was in Northman, obviously, and I don't, <clears throat> I didn't really care for, for her in that. She just, you know, seemed like out Ooh. of her range. <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. Disagree. I disagree. Yeah. I thought she was great. And I, I loved her in Last Night in Soho. She was being crazy. She was crazy she, in that one. It was great. Good, good in that. But like, I don't know. She's like a porcelain doll where it's just like, you, she's not meant to have dirt on her. <laughs> she's just like this person. She's like, oh my God, you're ungodly, un, unfamily beautiful. And I don't know. You're just like, we're born in a lab. You're meant to <laughs> play these pristine people. And then you in a war movie. I don't know about that, but I'll give her a shot, obviously. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. Well, yeah. well, maybe we'll talk about it in a little bit, a little yes. more in depth. Yes. So that was your number four. Uh, let's <laughs> see. Those are my honorable mentions, by the way. Ellie Rollimulus was. Um, let's mm. see. Uh, number three, I already talked about. It's uh, I saw the TV Glow. It's the new one from Yeah, Jane. you had that at your number nine and your number three. How is that? Oh yeah, I did. Look at that. Yes. <laughs> I made this. I made this list very quickly. Very quickly. Uh, so let me throw in. Uh, let me throw in a uh, honorable mention to the to the list here. Uh, we got a movie called okay. the, the Moo Guy. The Moo Guy is about a young Aboriginal couple bringing home their second baby. What should be a joyous time takes a sinister turn. The baby's mother starts seeing a malevolent spirit. She she is convinced trying to take her baby. So, be looking forward to that. Okay. I, I just noticed that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I did too. All right. So that was, yeah. Number three. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is, you know what? You know what I love, Damien? Sir, what's up? I love, I love tennis. I love Zendaya and I love threesomes. So, <laughs> so yeah. that's why, that's why this one had to be. So I've never seen a Luca Guadagnino movie, but I'm going to be there opening night for challengers. I am so excited for this. I, I love a good, tennis movie and like just is like this kind of like psychosexual like movie that's about tennis and zendaya is just like oh my little white boys like i'm like this looks fucking great like and i there's not been very many good tennis movies it's not like basketball or baseball you know obviously i do that spin-off podcast talking about sports movies i i there's not a lot of tennis puff to pull from so if this one is great and it looks like it might be I'm I'm very excited. There's a lot for me here in this one. Yeah, I've seen a lot uh, just accidentally, uh, just by happenstance. I've seen a lot of uh, Guadagnino's works. I've seen Call Me By Your Name, uh, Suspiria. I saw Bones and All when it came out. That was probably his least successful uh, outing for me personally. But yeah, definitely, definitely excited to see Challengers, see what, see what that's about, <laughs> see why they delayed that thing so they could promote it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, yeah I mean it makes sense because like it's a very star-driven movie. So yeah. if it, your your stars are on strike, you're gonna want to delay it. Yes, uh, that was your number three. Uh, my number two is one I just talked about. Even though I'm I'm, I'm trepidatious about it, uh, George Miller can do no wrong as far as the uh, Mad Max world has gone. So my number two is Furiosa. Uh, should be releasing in in May. Um, what was the other one that was coming out in May? Or no, yeah, it's March. March has the other one we'll be talking about soon. But yeah, uh, directed by Mr. George Miller, stars Annie Taylor-Joy and Chris Hemsworth. Only two names we have on the docket there. Um, let's see who else. Oh, Tom Burke. I love Tom Burke. I love Tom Burke's work in many He's things. Playing He's playing Immortem Joe. Ah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I loved him in the... Uh, the, the, um, the uh, he was in like two movies directed by... Uh, let me pull him up real quick. 
Tom Burke was in the Souvenir movies, Souvenir Part 1 and 2. Um, yeah, love his work. So I'll definitely be checking that out. Then, what's your number two, sir? Well, that's perfect because my number two is also Furiosa. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this. Like you said, George Miller can do no wrong, and for me, that includes casting Anya Taylor Joy. I'm excited to see her. Yeah. I'm excited to see Chris Hemsworth also in this. You know, getting to see him just finally be able to, like we, we alluded to earlier, <laughs> be Australian. So yeah. that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the best fucking movies ever made. So this is gonna yeah. be amazing. I I cannot wait for this movie to come out. Indeed. So that. Only leaves one more spot. Number one most Number anticipated one. film of 2024 is, of course, Dune, baby, part two. Let's fucking go. <laughs> it's supposed to be out last year, coming out March 1st, 2024. Very soon, actually, about six weeks from now, we'll see Austin Butler playing Muad'Dib. Actually, no, not, not Muad'Dib. Uh, Austin Butler playing Fayad Ratha. The Harkonnen, Byron Harkonnen's youngest nephew and planned successor of House Harkonnen. We'll see Florence Pugh as Princess Alurian, the Emperor's daughter. See Dave Batista back as Glass Robin. Can't wait for this shit, man. Can't wait for Christopher Walken and Shaddam, the Pashida Emperor of the known universe at House of Carino. <laughs> That's my weak ass Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> Christopher? Uh, gotta get this guy the sand wums the spice the look Muad'Dib, out the Muad'Dib Paul Atreides the Benny Paul Chester. Atreides what are Paul you doing Atreides. get out of here <laughs> <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Vladimir Harkonnen again playing the big fat goopy man thing <laughs> Yeah, I love I love the first one. Incredible uh, sound work. I can't wait to watch this again in IMAX. Um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, and it's got Zendaya. No tenors or threesomes, but still. Yes, that's why it was only number eight for me. But still, <clears throat> Zendaya always a win. Part of why I'm so excited to watch this is because I've spent like the past two years talking around uh, the, the the narrative of this book or the narrative of the plot of this movie because I've read I've read the entire series uh, Frank Herbert's um, original series uh, where, where six novels I think his son, his son took it over and did like the last three I think it was meant to be like a nine yeah. nine book series and his son finished up uh, the last three uh, have you read the books any of them I have not. Okay, so yeah, because <laughs> the thing I've been talking about this book or the, the, the series and how the first book ends, it's like, yeah, it's kind of just the first chapter. There's like so much more and it gets goes so far into the future and there's so many different uh, machinations and metamorphoses happening, like liter- literal metamorphoses, like like uh, uh, Kafka-esque metamorphoses uh, of characters. I've, I've heard, yeah. You've heard, okay, you've heard of the God Emperor I've of heard. Dune. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, can't, I cannot wait until 2034 when they finally <laughs> get to the third and fourth <laughs> books in this fucking series when the weird shit really, really starts to go off, yeah. But uh, I'll have to settle for now for the for the finale of the first book in this massive franchise. Yep. Dune Part 2. Um, just some quick uh, honorable mentions. Freaky Tales I mentioned already from the Sundance Film Festival. Um, it's not, not a movie, but The Three-Body Problem will be coming out in March. It is the follow-up, the next project of the, of the uh, 
the Davids of uh, Game of Thrones, Benioff and Weiss, their first massive series since leaving Game of Thrones. Be very interested to see what they do after that. Uh, Three-Body Problem is my favorite sci-fi series of all time. It is only three books. It came out about uh, about 10 years ago. I read through the trilogy twice. Uh, it's one of my favorite pieces of just pieces of media, pieces of fiction. My favorite sci-fi series of all time. Cannot wait to see what they do with that. Um, like you said, Alien Romulus is out there. They've got a very interesting um, marketing campaign for this movie called Long Legs, directed by Oz Perkins, um, coming out later this year, starring Micah Monroe and Nicolas Cage and Alicia Witt. Uh, it's got some very interesting marketing for that, so I'm very excited to see that this year. Anything on your honorable mention list? Yeah, uh, honorable mentions, you already mentioned Civil War, uh, which was on your list, but also uh, there's some stuff, uh, Kung Fu Panda 4, you know, I'm a big fan of the Kung Fu Panda movies, yes. uh, so, you know, excited, it's been a minute since we've got one of those, uh, getting Robert Eggers' Nosferatu, gonna be spooky and weird and, you know, excited for that, another uh, Nicholas Holtz in a Dracula movie, you know, haven't got enough of those recently, so excited for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Lisa Frankenstein, uh, which is <laughs> a, a great title for a movie, and yeah. B, you know, Diablo Cody, you know, getting to write another one of these, you know, Jennifer's Body esque things. This looks really great. Once again, you know, we mentioned Catherine Newton earlier. Excited to see her in this one. Uh, looks pretty fun, you know, Frankenstein, but with like 90s girlies in it. Looks great. Nice. <laughs> uh, the Taste of Things, which is a movie that uh, got a limited, like Chicago, LA, I think, New York release in yep. 2023, but it's getting a wide release this February. It's just like about, you know, a like a uh, cooking in like France in like the 1800s or something like that. Julia Binoche uh, sure is in there, that, right? Yeah. Juliette Binoche, yes, yes, yes. So here, this is pretty fucking good. So yeah, stoked for this one. Uh, then, yeah, I mentioned Civil War. And then my last honorable mention is Ballerina, which was it was on my top 10 until Gladiator pushed it off. But nice. um, this is the, you know, a the spinoff of the Jean Wickiverse, uh, you know, centered on the a ballerina. It's going to be a ballerina character played by Anna de Armas, which sounds kick ass to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, Keanu is going to be in this. Uh, apparently, Lance Riddick was able to shoot some stuff before this before he died. Of course, you've got. Uh, Ian McShane is Winston, yes. Oh, Jonathan, you know, like, so, you know, uh, I'm down for this. I'm, I'm, those are those are my my HMs. Nice. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Taste of Things, which is you know, like you said, limited re- limited release. Um, Fallen Leaves is a movie that I've enjoyed very much um, from this year or from last year, late late last year or whatever. Uh, it's my first first uh, Aki Kira's Maki. Uh, like I said in my Letterbox review, I loved it. It's you know Jim, very Jim Jumarshi, Yorgos Lanthimos, Terry, Terry's Wagoff, um, things like that. Um, if you've seen those, you'll know the sort of sensibilities that you're in for here. Um, yeah, very good. I think I'm sure you've heard of this uh, being out there. I think they mentioned it as a possible contender for best international feature this year. So uh, highly recommend checking that one out as well. Yeah, excited for when it actually comes out. Yes, I mean, uh, uh, it's on the Plex. So I'm just like I said, just out there. <laughs> it's on there. So I'm gonna, wait, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see it in the theater. I'm gonna see it in the theater. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, so that brings us to the end of the show. We're gonna do some uh, letterbox stuff. Like I said, I went back I and watched. Mi- I think you missed something. I think you missed something, bud. What's that? My number one. Your number one was it? Did we not do your number one? I thought I thought it was Dune. No, was Dune not your number one? 
No, Dune was my number eight. Oh, that's right. You're weird. I forgot. Okay, you're number one. I'm weird. <laughs> What's your number one, buddy? What's your number one? You told me to wait and talk about it. And I said, okay. And then you uh, immediately forgot. I think you need to like get checked out for your memory because you put enough people, or, movies on the same or, list twice and stuff. Or, or I'm the host, I'm the co-host, I'm the writer, I'm the producer, I'm the editor. I'm trying to do nine different things here, my friend. <laughs> you just got to sit back and relax. So what's your number one, sir? I'm checking the, I'm checking the runtime. Right. Well, I'm doing I mean, edits. I, it, could show. Be, it could be Dune again. <sighs> Go ahead. <laughs> my could, number one. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? We put the same movie on there twice. No. Uh, my number one, <laughs> another sequel to a franchise that I really love. Uh, one of my absolute favorite Genre movies of all time is, of course, uh, the War of the Planet or the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And then I also love War of the Planet of the Apes. What was it? Uh, Ri- yeah, Rise is the first one pretty good. And the second, two, third, second and third, two of the best movies ever made. Uh, and they're bringing it back. New director. Uh, but, you know, and a th- that trilogy is over. But this is the continuation of that story. I'm very excited. Number one, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Really, really cool. The trailers make this look fucking great. It's coming out in May. Cannot wait. Wes Ball, who did the Maze Runner series, which I think is very underrated, uh, is going to be taking over the director's chair on this one. Uh, So yeah, great. Some of the best modern day action films uh, ever made are in this series. So very excited for the continuation of it. Nice. Yeah, uh, West Ball is apparently attached to the live-action Legend of Zelda uh, project there as well. Yes, yes, we did discuss that. We did, yes. All right, so that was our top 10 most anticipated films of 2024. Always excited to see what else could be coming out. The, you know, like we said, the past lives, everything, everywhere, all at once are always, they just come out of nowhere. Be very excited to see what we... Uh, <laughs> What we end up seeing, or what we end up having on our, you know, best of the year so far in, uh, in May or June. So there's that. Now let's get yep. to our letterbox assignments. Are we good? We can, can we move on? Yes. 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 <laughs> okay. Yes. Right. We've actually covered all of the movie. We we've covered you know the most important movie that I wanted to talk about. So we're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. So our letterbox assignments. I like I said, I went back and watched a lot of the ones I was assigned. Uh, in previous episodes of this podcast, I watched um, The Green Mile. I watched The Evil Dead remake, like we mentioned, uh, Fede Alvarez's 2013 remake of The Evil Dead, which I enjoyed very much. It's as good as people said it was. Um, I'm trying to go back to my diary here, if I can find um, what else I've done so far. I watched a lot of stuff. La, a la, a la, of stuff. Let me see here if I missed anything. Uh, Lean on Pete was very good. I watched that ahead of uh, hopefully trying to watch... Um, the uh, All of Us Strangers didn't quite make it out to that viewing, but I can't wait to see that. Lena Pete was very good from him. Uh, what else did I have on there? Sicario, Day of the Soldado, uh, I believe, was something that was assigned to me at some point. <laughs> Check that out. That was very good. Uh, let's see. So, your Derek, your assignment that you checked out from last time was Sabrina, the 1954 version. What would you think of this? I thought it was okay. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean... It's it's fine. It's you know I'm a really big Billy Wilder fan, um, so I was excited for that reason. And also, you know, there's some other than Audrey Hepburn who actually, you know, like I said, this is my first Audrey Hepburn movie, and I was very excited for that reason because she is just like, I mean, you talk about like Anya Taylor Joy being a porcelain doll. Like Audrey Hepburn is is that, but like in a really like she's just amazing. She's just she's just grace incarnate. Um, 
And, you know, obviously it has William Holden. Um, it has Humphrey Bogart in it. Um, but it's it's pretty rom-com formulaic. And even to the point where it's like, oh, well, nobody notices me. I'm just this dorky girl. And, oh, you've got a bad haircut. You're wearing a ponytail. Get it. Get the Audrey Bob, which is like, I get it. The Audrey Bob is iconic. But she was still Audrey Hepburn at the <laughs> beginning of the movie. And everyone's like falling over themselves. Like, she just got her hair cut. Her hair was already tied back. If you looked at it from like, the front, you couldn't even tell. Like, okay, whatever. Uh, you know, I, all I could think of was watching this was, like, I really wish, like, because, you know, there's the 90s remake, and I'm like, man, like, no disrespect to Bogey, because he's a great actor, but, like, if you could just take the 19, 1950s Audrey and 1990s Harrison Ford who played that part in the 90s version. Yeah. Oh my god, that movie would crackle. No one would survive the heat. It would be like <laughs> insane if you could if you could I don't know who which one you would get. I guess I guess you would probably get William Holden over Greg Kinnear in the yeah. in the third lead in the movie. But like I was just like, man, having not seen that nineties one, I'm like, I bet Harrison Ford is just so fucking good in this part. Uh and it was fine. I didn't dislike it, but it's not like I don't it didn't really register for me as one of the all time greats. Yeah, where, where are you at with Bogey? I don't know if you ever talk about Mr. Bogart on this podcast. Uh, obviously, in you know Casablanca was his big one. Did a lot of uh, you know detective stuff. Um, what do you think of Mr. Bogart as an actor? Bogart, he's a good actor. I I kind of like it when he's playing against type a little bit. You know, like yeah. what, less when he's like because he's obviously good in Casablanca and like Maltese, excuse Maltese Falcon and stuff like that, but. He's so good in Treasures of the Armadre, where he's just like a scumbag. Yeah. He's yeah. so good. At, he's so good in that. That's my favorite performance of his by far. When he's just yes. like, or, you know, I also like the African Queen a lot. Like he's because he's just him. And yeah. it's him. He, him and that. Right. Yeah. Him and Catherine Hepburn. Yes. Um. So, yeah. So, you know, he's he's good. He's just kind of like an old. It's just kind of an old, like salty sailor in that movie. <laughs> so I, I like it when he just gets to be a little bit of a scumbag. Right. <laughs> And he's kind of a scumbag in this, but yeah. like it's it's he's kind of like it's a different kind of thing. It's 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 one of those movies that like that ends with like you know spoiler for a movie from the fifties, whatever. But like it ends with like ah, you've got to get go get the girl, and then he gets the girl, and like the movie just ends, and she is like I would say he just shows up and they kiss, and it's like that's the end of the movie yeah. from Louis yeah. Mayer, you know like yeah yeah. <laughs> Love those how these movies old movies would end. Um, right. weird, connect, weird random connection. I was just looking up her, uh, Audrey Hepburn's filmography and the one she did right after this was, um, War and Peace. And I, for some random reason, just decided to download like a literary thing, just to listen to it at work. And that was the one I picked. So that's a very, very strange connection there. Very strange. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that was your assignment. I'll, I'll take you a while to get through. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 56 hours or some shit on the audiobook. Uh, you know, 12 hours, uh, at three times speed. I'll be fine. I was about to say, <laughs> for you. Yeah. Did you get that uh, TikTok I sent you of the guy who was like, yeah, I, of course I listen to audiobooks while reading the book at two times speed. Of course I do that. That's, that's completely, complete <laughs> normal so, behavior. Yeah. yeah I was like, that's my people. <laughs> Found my tribe. Yep. So uh, let's do letterbox shuffle. I'm going to go to my watch list, sort by streamable, and I'm going to hit shuffle. See what I get. I get the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. I've been meaning to watch this for a while. Oh, uh, that's good. That's yeah. Interesting. 
2013 uh, movie directed by Mami Sunada follows behind-the-scenes work of Studio Ghibli, focusing on the notable figures Hayao Miyazaki, Isako Isawa, Takahata, and Toshio Suzuki. Uh, I believe they all went on to uh, be, you know, animators themselves to make, uh, I think one of them, didn't one of them the uh, creator of um, Your Name, I believe he did that one? Yeah, well, it's it's mostly, it's like a, a mostly about Miyazaki. Yeah. Um, and and uh and Suzuki and kind of like the the two old men of Ghibli I want to say you know gotcha gotcha all right so I'll be checking that for next time uh go to your yeah. watch list hit shuffle let me know what you get all right and shuffling oh okay I got HUD the movie uh <laughs> starring Paul Newman yeah so, interesting I've, all right I have to still see a lot of Newman. Uh, I haven't seen this. I just, I just recently saw. Um, what was the one with the eggs? Is cars. It, what's that? Cars. Cars. Yes, cars. cars. Yeah, the cars is the one where you have to eat <laughs> whole bunch of eggs. Uh, no, what is it? The uh, not the sting. Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, I just saw Cool Hand Luke for the first time. Oh, last I still year. haven't seen that actually. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, Color of Money, he was very good in. I saw that last year for the first time. Road to Perdition, he's very good in, obviously. Um, Butch Cassidy, classic. Sting is a classic. One of my favorite movies ever, yeah. The Sting is very good. Um, I also saw, the, I actually saw a few of him, a few of his movies last year for the first time. I saw The Verdict for the first time uh, last year as well. Uh, Slapshot is too. You've seen wow. Slapshot? I saw Slapshot for the first time last year, yep. Yep, yep, Fucking yep. Great movie. Great movie. So there is that for next time. I uh, don't have anything written down for next time, but you know, like I said, it's the middle of January. It's two degrees out. Uh, we will see <laughs> what we're yeah. going to see. So yeah, uh, stay tuned for that. Maybe you see some uh, more Oscar stuff for next time. So let's do some plugs. Uh, I am 38 away from 300 followers. Still Santa Claus Kinski on Letterboxd. I'll probably change that. For the new year, uh, film essayist on YouTube, Spotify for podcasters. Go to my interviews for all the people from last couple of years. DNI last year broke down season four, Succession season four, The Bear season two, which was interesting. I don't know if you saw the Emmy uh, wins that happened this past week, where apparently because of the way the schedule fell, The Bear won all those awards for season, season one. one. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. That was wild. Yeah, it's because they didn't do it. They didn't do the awards during the strike, so it got pushed yeah. off. So we're going to get two Emmys this year. Yeah. Yeah, very strange, very strange. But yeah, go back yep, to the... And also, yes. I want to mention with that, uh, Better Call Saul, once again, uh, had sh- yeah. got shut out. So that means it got nominated for a total of 53 Emmys <laughs> and won zero, which is yeah. fucking ridiculous. God yes. damn it. God damn them. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, uh, and it's plug, because sir. the Emmys are just like, yes. what's popular, what's hot? Yeah. Okay, but yeah. Um, my plugs. Uh, underrated, underrated movie podcast everywhere on all the apps just look it up uh i talk a every other monday now so now it's on opposite mondays of this show just to give you guys a little bit of a break from me so you don't have to hit me <laughs> twice in a row yeah uh uh so yeah um yeah got that coming up uh got the next episode last week was fritz the cat uh which was a lot of fun got to finally talk about it bakshi next week talked about one of the absolute weirdest movies i've ever seen uh, which is Southland Tales. Uh, so <laughs> with Pat Mayo, which yeah, <laughs> that Pat, was something else. Why do I know that name, Pat Mayo? What's he? What's he from? Uh, he's like a guy who does like um, sports stuff mostly, like sports betting and and sports talk. 
Gotcha, gotcha. All right, yeah, sound like sounds familiar for some reason. Uh, yeah, so check all that stuff out. Uh, yeah, and go to blankcheck.com to check out that show as well. Very good podcast. <laughs> just a random plug for blank check. Just a random plug for blank check. Yep, exactly. They're doing Yentl. They're doing the Barbara Streisand uh, filmography. Her the uh, her directorial features on there this mm. month. So yeah, check that out. Check out Yentl with Jordan Hoffman today. Just dropped. Check that out. So for the Midnight Film Society, I've been Damien. I've been Derek. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.